Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 99 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we are covering episode 17, so 417, 717, and 617. As always, I'm Bryna, I'm one of your hosts. Unfortunately, Gina's not here. We've had some crazy travel schedules and things have been hectic and we wouldn't have honestly been able to find a time to record together before the next episode aired. So we're splitting it up and I'm taking over this week. But it's like I said, it's okay because I have tagged in three of our most active listeners. And so the first person who's going to join me for Chicago Med is none other than Perry. Perry, how are you today? I'm good. And you? Good. Thank you for coming back on. This is what, your third time back on? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Third. Crazy. So we've done this kind of setup before where we've had three guests instead of just one. So here's how it's going to go, though, in case you're not familiar. So since we have these three guests instead of just one, we're going to cover the news with that particular show. So med news with the med portion, fire news with the fire portion, and then PD news with the PD portion. But yeah, so we can just hop right into the med news first. So Tori DeVito did an interview with TV Line that went up right before this episode aired. So a bunch of it was stuff talking about the episode that we're going to discuss. So it doesn't really make sense to talk about it. But I thought she had a really interesting quote about the Will relationship and just that in general. So... She said, you know, Will Halstead has some of his own stuff going on that people will start seeing too. That there's a love for Natalie that I will always, that Will will always have and same for Natalie with him. They're each other's great loves, I think. You wonder too, how into this guy is Natalie? Um, Is she just trying to escape for something? Is it genuine what she's feeling? I think she's tricking herself into believing it, but deep down inside, she's still got to have feelings from Will somewhere. And the other guy she's talking about is Philip, because as we know, they're like... I guess, kind of a thing, officially, unofficially. We don't really know. But I just thought it was really interesting, you know, that, like, you know, she believes that Natalie's tricking herself into believing that the thing with Philip is real and that deep down inside, you know, she's still got to have feelings for Will somewhere. So, Perry, I'm curious, what are your feelings? Because we haven't really had you on since, like, the beginning of the season. So I'm curious, what have you been feeling? What are your feelings on the Natalie and Will stuff that's, like, happened up until now? I can't feel bad for Will because, like, it's not even, like, oh, they broke up and, like, they, they're both dealing with their issues. Like, she directly went to another relationship-ish. And, like, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of weird to see that relationship, like, blossom and become something when, you know, they both have issues that, like, wasn't really dealt with I don't know yeah no I definitely agree I think a lot of their issues could have been avoided had they just been honest with each other and communicated and I know I said that a lot about Gabby and Casey like back in fire while they were still a thing and I think I've said a lot of that about Natalie and Will too is that like 
if Will, Will, we could have avoided Will's entire, I mean, obviously I know that television and so the storyline's meant to happen, but like Will could have avoided his whole situation if he had just been honest with Natalie from the get-go. Yeah, and also like they broke up after the gun thing, which even like I didn't really understand because I was like Natalie ex like husband was in the army. He he must have dealt with like PTSD and stuff like this back then. So I was like, she wasn't really that much like empathic. I don't know if this if uh, it's the right word towards like Will. She was just like I don't know. It was just it was weird. Yeah. Like, that storyline was weird. And, like, what happened tonight was even weirder. Yeah, like, we're going to talk about the stuff that happened today. Because that whole, like, the way that their part of the story ended tonight is, like, very weird. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, going back to what you said about the guns, I think maybe it's changed now that she has Owen in her life. And, obviously, like, having a gun in a house is one thing when it's two adults who know how to use a gun and what yeah. that can be. But when you have a kid who doesn't may not even know what a gun is, let alone how to use it like that, I can see why she's hesitant now that Owen's in her life. But yeah, I mean, they're just a mess. And, but I mean, I don't know. I will talk about this too later. Cause I think I put it in later. There was an article from TV guide about like, should you know like Chicago Met it's like Chicago Met is letting go of me instead and you should too and we'll talk about that when we get to their okay, portion yeah, of the yeah. episode but like yeah I don't know where they're going <laughs> I don't know what's happening I like to think that eventually they'll come back at some point whether it's this season or like next but I don't know it's they're crazy. gonna come back for sure yeah I, I just feel like well we're gonna talk about it later because yeah we're not there yet yeah. but yeah yeah so, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting from this art or interview that Tori did was they had asked, like, oh, if you had to, like, basically, like, if you had to have Natalie be with someone from the One Chicago franchise that's not Will and almost, like, not Ahmed, like, who would it be? And she picked Casey, and I don't see that at all. But she didn't pick K Casey. It was, like, the interviewer who was, like, Oh, Casey's single. You two should get together. Yeah. She really, like she was more like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see it, but I don't think she. I don't know. She it's was like, weird. yeah, she was like, Tori was like, oh, well, it'll definitely be a firefighter. And then the guy with street was like, well, Casey. The interviewer's like, well, Casey's single and Severide's single. And she, but the interviewer's like, I think he's still too hung up on Severide, so I don't know if you want to go there. And then she was like, well, Casey, like, I think that'd be a great couple. Natalie and Casey, both kind and compassionate. That'd be cool. I like that, actually. Yes, no. they're both, I guess you could argue, yes, they both are kind and compassionate. But, like, that's about where I feel like the similarities stop. But I feel they would be, like, a boring couple, too. Yeah, they're just, that just, I don't see that meshing well, like, at all. No. Not at all. Like, no. No. Okay. No, not at all. Yeah, we're, we're, we agree on this. We're, we're <laughs> over that already. Don't ever go there. Like, <laughs> it didn't even happen. Nope, nope. Yeah, no. So the next piece of news that we got that's related to Chicago Med was an, a little tidbit from an Ask the Ask Oziello column. Um, and it says, viewers can look forward to a really big episode where we all get stuck in the emergency department. Tor star Tori DeVito previews. It's a really intense episode. The second half of the season is definitely going to be go going to go out with a huge bang. Speaking of, the finale is quote, going to be extremely turbulent for Natalie. 
in quote, the actress teases, and there's going to be a huge cliffhanger for the doc. Dun dun dun. Um, I don't know when this episode is because it's not one that we've gotten an episode description for, but getting stuck in the emergency department could be interesting. Yeah, it could. But like, I don't know. Didn't it already happen? Or they got kicked out? I don't know. I feel like it's already like deja vu. Yeah, I mean, I guess there was an episode earlier where she, where, like, after the... It was, like, when Ethan, like, was feeling sick. When, yeah, when Ethan, when Ethan got exposed to the gas and Natalie and Dr. Charles got stuck on the whatever floor that was and they had to deliver the baby. And that was, like, a very, I cannot unsee that image of Natalie delivering that baby out of like it's seared into my brain forever um but yeah I guess it's kind of similar I'll be curious to see like and I'll be curious to see too like where this episode is placed like if it's closer to the finale or not and like whatever this huge cliffhanger for Natalie is is it like emotionally a huge cliffhanger for Natalie is it physically like something happens to her and like her life is in peril kind of cliffhanger like I I, like I'll be very curious to see yeah but like we're how many episodes till the final, uh, season finale? It's so like four or five? 18, hold on. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Five episodes left, not including the one we're getting ready to talk about. So five episodes left. So, like, it's going to be closer to the, like, last episode. So yeah. So probably it's going to be, like, something that physical. So Maybe. we get to, like, be scared for her for until next season. I don't know. I feel like emotional is going to be like too. It already. We already had our emotional cliffhanger for Natalie this se- or from the early from the winter finale or mid season finale. Yeah, that one and like the one in season was it season two when all the couples were like, will they or will like? No, that was last season. So that was season April and that was season three. Okay. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I don't be, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, it, it's just, you know, so Natalie's gonna, Natalie has a cliffhanger. That's all we know about the finale, but we're getting close, so we will soon find out. Um, but then, yeah, our last piece of med news is one that's very, very exciting. Guys, Patty Murin is returning to Chicago Med, and not only is she returning to Chicago Med, she's shooting at least one scene with Colin, and that's just like, Literally the first thing I texted Gina when I found out was a la Lizzie McGuire, hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of. Because it is. Like, I I didn't like Nina and Will necessarily, but, like, I could totally get on board with Nina and Connor. Like, for sure. If they really? were to ever... Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could definitely get on board with that if that were to ever become a thing. I don't think that's where they're going with this. I think she's just around for an episode because Patty yeah. signed another year for Frozen, so she can't come back to the show on any kind of permanent basis. But, I like, I love, I'm excited to see them finally share a scene together. I can't believe they never shared a scene together while she was on, like, for all of season two. But I could definitely, if they ever wanted to go there, I could definitely get on board with Connor and Nina for sure. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Maybe. 
I think it's also too, I mean, and I'll be honest, like, I think part of it is because I love Patty and Colin together. And I think their Instagrams are like always the cutest thing. And I just think they are the cutest things. So I feel like that chemistry can't not, wouldn't not translate to the screen if they were to go there. But I feel like that's honestly part of it. So. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Like, if it works, maybe she's going to come back, like, a little more often. Who knows? Yeah. Hopefully. I, I hope so. I mean, I know, like I said, I know she signed on for another year Frozen. Or at least another. I know that. Yeah, she signed another contract. I think it's for a year. Um, I, At least six months. But I, I think she signed a year. I think I remember seeing that in her Instagram. But... So she's going to be at least in New York for a while. I mean, she's obviously come back every now and then. She was on fire once this season? Twice this? No, once. Once. But yeah, she yeah. was on med twice. Oh, yeah. She, maybe- was, she was on med earlier this season, and then she was on fire earlier this season. Yeah. And now she'll be on med again. But, yeah. So she's been, like, able to come back every now and then, which has been really great. But I guess we'll have to see what this scene actually is and, you know. Like I said, I don't think they'll actually ever go there, but, like, I would not be opposed to them trying to go there. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So. But, yeah, that's all. Go ahead. What'd you? No, I was like, I don't know. He got, like, a lot, like, on his hands with Robin and, like, Becker that. Oh, yeah. Nina would be, like, way too much. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, I would want them to, like, have cleaned that slate of Connor's issues before (laughs) they touched Nina because I don't want that to be messed up if they would ever go there but yeah I no now it's not the right time for Connor but I'm just saying like I saw that picture yeah and I was I saw that picture and I was like oh my god this is actually happening this is great but anyway but yeah so that's all the med news that we have besides that tv guide article that we'll talk about in a few minutes but yeah so let's jump in and talk about the episode so let's start with the car crash Poor Dawn. I mean, just poor Dawn. Oh, that was so sad. Like, but is it the first time we saw him? Yeah, I mean, we had no attach. We had no attachment to him before this episode, but still, like, to be at your, to be like just in the emergency room, just chilling, and have like a car swoop in to the emergency room and like land on top of you. Like, what the hell? Like, no, I know, but it's because like I read one of the um uh episodes like guidelines whatever uh and they said like it was someone close to april and i was like we never met him how can it be like now i understand he was like working in the ed and they probably know each other yeah but i was like close to april i was like waiting for dr troy or like you know somebody like with more yeah a backstory i don't know yeah. So that's why I was wondering. Yeah. Well, and it's great. So right now I'm literally just thinking about this. I know at one point you had tried to watch Station 19. Are you watching Station 19 slash caught up on Station 19? I, I am caught up. Okay. Now. So did you see Thursday's episode? Yeah, it's the same thing, It's right? the same. I literally just put that together because, like, I – because I was on vacation and stuff. Like, I didn't watch, you know, the same. Yeah. So, but, like, I literally just put that together that – so on Station 19, they had – I guess it's, I don't really know if they ever made it clear what it was, but it was some kind of, like, transport van, essentially, that, like, basically burst into the fire station, and, like, then they had to deal with the same issue, too, and, like, or same, like, yeah. medical issues with the person behind the wheel, and it was just, like, 
now I'm literally putting together is like, what are the off chances that like the two shows like in this world or in these two, these two shows that I watch on back to back nights would have had the same storyline going kind of crazy happened earlier this season with mad. They had like the same story then on, was it the resident or new Amsterdam? Really? I haven't watched. Yeah. I don't really watch resident or new Amsterdam, but that's funny. But, like, the the writers were talking about it, how sometimes it can be a coincidence, like, you're writing your shows and everything, and they're going to, like, yeah. talk about the same issues. But, like, twice this season, I'm like, damn. It's crazy. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. But, yeah, so, basically, like we said, the car ends up coming in, um, you know, and Dawn gets knocked over. I From the promo photos, I know Gina and I were talking about this in our last episode or the episode before that. I don't remember exactly which episode we talked about it in when we saw just, like, the promo photos. And it looked like April had kind of been trapped under there. We were like, oh, dear God, not something happening to April again. Like, leave April alone. But yeah. it's good to know that she just ended up sliding under there herself to help the guy and pinch off his artery. But, like, yeah. you know... Gina and I were just like, oh, so April did not get plowed down again. Like, thank God, because we don't need (laughs) that. So basically, the whole thing with this part of the storyline was that April slides under there because, like we said, she has to pinch off an artery, and they can't get the guy out. So April's able to slide under, but he can't, like, they can't easily slide him out because the car is just on top of him. So Kelly and Squad 3 come to, like, work on getting the car up, but, you know, it takes a second, which I feel like in this moment, it took them way longer to get the car elevated than it ever does on fire. I know, right? I was like, what is going on? Like, I was like, like, it's going to take a second. It's going to take a second. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Usually it's, like, quicker. Usually it's, like, two seconds. And, I I mean, I get it. Different shows. And, like, the whole point is for this to be, like, dragged out because they have to keep him under the car. Like, I was, like, I get it. But I was, like, on fire, it takes them, like, 2.5 seconds to get this same thing done. Whereas on med, it took them, like, 30 minutes. But, okay, cool. Um, Yeah. So, but, yeah. So, Kelly's there. And, of course, you know, April's telling – Ethan and the whole situation she's like you know we got to get him out of here we got to get him out of here and Ethan's running point on the situation which is already just a bad sign because Ethan is so in love with April and he's not seeing straight and not thinking straight because April is of course the one under this car so Ethan's like no you've got to stay under there we're not moving you at all until Kelly gets the car elevated and nothing like gets it stable but April's like no like you've got to get him out like he's gonna like bleed out and he's gonna like you know go like he's gotta get out now and of course like kelly's worried about april too because they have their whole relationship and i mean honestly just like worried kelly is just like the best kelly oh my gosh i love them together yes we had so much sex to ride moments this season on fire and well not really on fire they they mentioned her but yeah but on med and i was like yes please make them like uh friendship like she needs more friends but that's another issues <laughs> yeah she needs yeah and i mean honestly like we've talked about it before too like the kelly and april friendship is like so underrated it is oh, it's really. just it's so underrated and i mean i get it like they're on two different shows like it's very hard i mean it, less in situations like this it is very hard to have him on med and i mean she does like she really has no reason to go on fire unless it's like a just, like, an off-key scene at Molly's just because, like, 
med doesn't really have much it doesn't really make sense for med characters to go to fire as it does like fire to go to med but yeah um so we don't really get to see a whole lot of them which is a shame but when we do it's always good it always delivers but like it's better like last the past two seasons we didn't have nothing yeah for sure we went from like really good friends to like they don't even like look at each other so i'm okay with that yeah for sure um but again this whole not listening to april thing what do you think about like the fact that like both ethan and kelly were like yeah no like we're gonna do this for like we're gonna make sure you like everyone's safe first even if it means the guy might die i don't know i was like Okay, first of all, through the entire episode, I was like, why men doesn't listen to women? Yeah. Like, Dr. Charles and everything. But, like, with April, I was like, Kaylee, you're the firefighter. Technically, it's your scene. If you want to do something, you don't need, like, Dr. Troy approval. Right. So, we had gotten a question from Allison about this, and I had texted Gina about this, too, and it was like, who? Allison, this was Allison's question. She was like, you know, thoughts on the Dr. Choi decision, you know, to protect April by risking the patient and Severide going along with it. And she says, who makes the final call in that situation? The doctor or the lead firefighter on the scene? Sev seemed to be deferring to Choi to make the call, which I completely agree with. I, like, I feel like in fire, at least on fire, when they've ever, they've had to, you know, go with, like, is it up to, like, risking the guy in the car or, like, getting him out of there and, like, getting everyone else safe? Like, I feel like that's always been the firefighter's decision on, like, how to handle those kind of situations. But it's also, like, if the guy is dying, then the firefighter should know so he should, like, react a certain way to make it, like, faster or, like, easier to get him out of there. I don't know. I just feel like... Ethan was undermining like the situation which made made it worse I don't know if you understand like yeah, 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 yeah I mean Ethan was trying to like be Ethan was doing his job by being in control but he was over he was trying to overstep Kelly's authority to like handle the firefighting aspect of the rest the firefighting aspect of the rescue and it so that's what I'm saying is like who does get the final call like I feel like Yes, obviously, Choi has to do its best for the patient, and obviously, for April, I guess, April's under his jurisdiction, because she works for him, or works with him, but, like, I just feel like in this moment, like, it's a, like, Severide is the one controlling the rescue part of it, so, like, shouldn't we all defer to Severide, not Ethan? Yeah. I don't know, I just... I felt like Ethan should have just been there to, like, monitor the situation and monitor the patient and make sure he doesn't get worse. Because, like, you can't do anything. April's doing the thing you can do by pinching off the artery. Like, yeah. you can't do any more than that. So let Severide do whatever else he needs to do. And if he thinks it's okay to get the patient out enough and not have the car trip <coughs> over, then, like, do that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, at the same time, it was for the storyline, too, to make, like, oh, my God, I'm so worried about you, so I don't... Maybe it was just for that that the the Severide asked Dr. Destroyer. And also, like, Severide also has some feelings for April. So I think, like, he didn't want to make something that would risk April, like, Getting hurt. Yeah. yeah. Because he thought she was hurt to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that. I don't know. I just feel like... 
my mind keeps going back to like the one fire call I can think of. And granted, that was Casey, not Severide, so it doesn't do like it doesn't leave like a great barometer of like where Severide usually falls on these things. But I don't remember what season it was, but the scene where the chaplain for like got injured in the car wreck, and they had to in case they had to make the decision on it was like a T bowing thing, so it was like the chaplain yeah. was pinned in one way, and there was the other car and another victim pinned in the other way, and they got the other victim out. Or they were trying to get the other victim out, too. But, like, in order to get her out safely and ultimately get the chaplain out safely, they had to leave the chaplain in, pinned in a little bit longer. And Casey made that decision, even though he cares about the chaplain and the chaplain is, like, someone who's important to the firehouse, in order to ultimately get everyone out as safe as possible, they had to do whatever it was, get the girl out first or move the car or whatever, and then ultimately get the chaplain out. And that's just, every time I think about that, like, I, that's what I was thinking about in that scene. And like I said, granted, that was Casey making the decision with the chaplain versus this is now Severide. But it yeah. was still, like, I feel like they are, I mean, part of their job, I'm sure, especially as well-versed in it as Severide and Casey both are, is that, you know you've got to learn how to separate your emotions from the job. And like, you ultimately have to do what's best for everyone, even though, you know, someone you love isn't necessarily going to get hurt, but may be in danger a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he, he, I don't know. I feel like it's also like April was a nurse. So maybe Kelly wanted like the real like thing from a doctor. So that's why he asked. Because mm -hmm. if it was only here, bro, maybe he would have been like, okay, let's move him. Like, whatever the consequences. But, maybe. like, maybe... I don't know. It was it was just off because nobody was listening to April. And at the end of the day, everything turns out fine. But it could have went, like, sour real quick, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, like we were trying to talk about, I mean, like, Goodwin even came out at one point and was like, Ethan, like, you've got to stop, like, working on, like, you can't work on this case anymore because, like, your feelings are too far in it. And, like, you, yeah, it, which is fair. And no one's saying that, like, you can't feel things and that you don't care about April. Like, no one's saying that. But she was like, you're feeling, like, you have too much invested in this. Like, you're not going to be able to make the right decision, so why don't you take a step back? And at first, Ethan's like, yeah, no. Like, I'm good. Like, I want to be, if, it, if anyone's going to be the one handling this, it's me. And I, you know, obviously what he learned and what he tells Goodwin, he goes to Goodwin's like, basically like, yeah, you were right. Like, my feelings for April almost killed this guy. Like, no big deal. Um, and then Goodwin's even too. Goodwin's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, I told you so, but like, I'm not going to do anything to you. Like, okay. Um, but I think it also just kind of shows too that like, Ethan learned that, like, he's not the best at separating his emotions, and so maybe he, he should have taken a step back to, like, let someone else handle it and let him just be there for April and just be the worrier, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But then, also, of course, too, like, while the guy, while poor Don is still just, like, pinned in under the car... car. Connor comes over and, like, asks if he's an organ donor. And, like, Gina even put an outline. She's like, I could have smacked him. And Ethan, too. Ethan, would, like, looked on, like, the look on Ethan's face was like, seriously? Like. <laughs> I think everyone was, like, pissed at Connor at that moment. Like, why would you ask? I don't understand, like, someone who might die if he's an organ donor when he wants to, like, fight for his life. And I. Right. And honestly, I'm kind of, like, glad he he said no or he didn't answer anything because 
Connor is always like got the easy way with his uh, surgeries and everything. Like it would have been easy for him to be like, "Oh, he died. Let's like give his heart to my patient and like call it a day." You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like I also understand too. Like organ donation can take time, and if you want to like make something happen, then like you do kind of have to ask like somewhat in advance before even a patient has died just to like get that ball rolling I totally get that but that's not what this was this was Connor like asking a guy who like I don't know what Connor's relationship with poor Don was like but you know everyone at least at least knew him and I'm sure Connor knew him like this isn't just someone some random stranger off the street which still wouldn't have been okay but this is especially like this isn't some random off the street random stranger off the street this is someone you at least know who it is like he's not dead yet and he's you know is gonna get out of there and like yeah he might die in surgery but like you don't know that yet so like give it the moment to like at least get him out before you ask like if you want to be an ass about it and then like ask as he's being wheeled up to surgery okay fine but like let him get out up from under the car first or flatline like in that case like if he's gonna flatline under the car then like he's gonna flatline under the car but like let him do that first before you get to that moment yeah but you see when he was in surgery poor don was in surgery like ethan was talking to april and he said oh uh april was like oh we don't know if if he's gonna make it and everything and ethan was like um uh i hope so because otherwise our heart gonna be wasted or something yeah and i was like people like he's still fighting for his life can we talk about a human being i don't know i just felt like at that moment he became more of a like an object that we right. could like use pieces of more than the patient that we want to save yeah and i mean i'm glad like i'm honestly glad he ended up making the full recovery just yeah. because if he hadn't and this like connor had ultimately won like it would have just been like oh connor like connor I mean, Connor's had a hard time this season. Like, I get it. But it's yeah. just like, oh, my God. Just, like, I can't even. Um, but, I mean, like we said, so, you know, April does come out and tell Troy, you know, that Don's, you know, supposed to make a – miraculously somehow expected to make a full recovery. Um, but Troy turns and apologizes for caring, even, you know, caring about her, even though he stopped and, you know, short of admitting that, like, it was of, it was almost his fault, and April just like thanks him for caring, and yeah. she, you know, and then she walks away. But it's just like, oh my god, come on! Like, we all know these two are probably going to do something towards the end that gets them back together. But like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I was like, I could understand because April almost risked her life for him earlier this season. So I couldn't understand why he was worried. Those two have, like, such a strong bond. Yeah. That, like, it's kind of, like, impossible for them to not care that much. Yeah. No, I just, for me, like, I... I mean, I've never been the biggest, like, sex toy shipper at all. But, like, they had, like, the moment where, like... The moment where Ethan realizes, like, a couple episodes ago ago, that he was, like, still in love with April. Like, that Mm -hmm. moment I really liked... But to me, I'm just like, oh, my God. Just, like, say something already. Like, stop dancing each other, like, around each other. Like, you both have had moments this season where you realize you still care about one another. So just say it. Like, yeah. haven't you guys yeah. learned from the last time that, like, just admitting your feelings 
and then working on it is like better than just like this dance this awkward dance that you guys are doing around each other yeah but honestly april is like such a good person because after someone would accuse me of murder i don't even know if i would look <laughs> yeah. that person in the eye i would just be like bye i know i no. still can't believe she's even like still considering like at some point probably getting back together with him after he accused her with murder but to each one's own to each one's own um but yeah it's just i i can't even um but yeah so that was the april choi stuff but i guess since we were just kind of talking about connor let's move on and talk about like connor and ava which is like dear lord i can't even um (laughs) So, Connor and Ava are dealing with the driver who rammed the car into the hospital. Um, and basically, Ava, you know, like, they end up finding a tumor in his heart, which led to the stroke that caused the accident. And basically, of course, you know, in a classic med situation, you know, the patient wants them to remove the tumor, despite the fact that it's a high-risk surgery. And then, of course, in classic Ava and Connor fashion, you know, she's fine with it. And Connor's like, yeah, no, we can't do that. And it's just like, oh, my God, here we go again. Um, But, of course, basically, once they get into the operating room, you know, they are faced with the fact that the tumor had a tumor, of course, extended itself much further than they thought. And Connor, of course, has to go leave and help Dawn. He asks if, you know, um, their co-worker was a heart donor. And basically, you know, potentially, like we said, giving Dawn's heart to the man responsible for his injuries. Which is also kind of messed up. But it's classic yeah. Connor fashion, so whatever. But, of course, then they get this idea from Robin who is removing the man's heart completely from his body to get full access to the tumor. And, like, they just, you know, decide to go with it after they had literally only just heard about it from Robin. They don't have even time, really, to read up on the situation. They just decide to remove the guy's heart. And be like, oh, yeah, let's try this. No big deal. It's just like, I don't, I mean, this is obviously way riskier than what the guy had signed up for. But it's just like, oh, my God, I can't even. But, like, what would have happened if it didn't work? He would have died? Like, that's what I don't I don't understand. Like, okay, he agreed to do the surgery and everything. Like, he knows the risk. He was warned. All good. But, like, you're taking a step further, doing something, like, completely out of your comfort zone that can, like, quickly turn into a mess. And, like, because you trust Robin more than Ava, like... I don't know. I, I feel it's kind of, like, dumb from Connor. Because if something would have happened, what would he said? Oh, I was trying, like, a study I heard and everything? Yeah, so there's a couple interesting things I think you bring up. So, one, I think at this point he does trust Robin. As, like, kind of crazy as it is, and as, you know, Robin left for a while and then now comes back. I think at this point he does trust Robin more than he trusts Ava because... You know, he and Ava have had all these ups and downs this seasons, and she especially has acted, you know, like, I don't, I'm not going to use the word crazy because I hate using that word, but, you know, she's had, she's done a lot of questionable things this season, and, you know, Connor's starting to see, well, maybe she's not the person I thought she was, so he's a little distanced from her, which completely, I 
I get. It's fine. But, so he's not trusting her at all right now. And he, even though, yeah, Robin up and left him and he hasn't heard from her in a while until now, like, he does still trust Robin. So I think, yes, he does, he does right now is trusting Robin more than not. But I think, too, I thought, you know, Ava even points it out, like, Robin's not a cardiothoracic surgeon or a cardiologist at all. Like, she's a, I don't even remember what kind of doctor Robin is, but she's, like, something very different than that. So, like, but Ava, so Ava does have a valid point, like, yeah, what, you're gonna listen to Robin over me, who, like, yeah, I know you might hate me right now, but, like, I at least am trained in this field of medicine. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, I kind of felt bad for her, because he was, like, you know, you know like, we don't have any chance and everything about the surgery, but technically Ava only like proceed, agreed to proceed with the patient wishes for he wanted to do the surgery. Yeah. Like, it's not her fault. She didn't like force him to do it. You know what I mean? So like whatever happened, he must have like signed a, a, a thing for something. If it happened, like if he dies and everything. Yeah. But then I think too, so like kind of going off your other point too, about how like, Connor says it's risky one moment and then doesn't want to do it. And then, of course, like, once he's in the OR and Robin tells him about the surgery, he's, like, all for it. Like, of course, like, you know, Gina pointed out in that line, she's like, ever notice how Connor doesn't hesitate to admonish Ava for wanting to do something risky one moment, but then the next they're in the OR and he finds a way to take over? Like, Connor's God complex is pulling through and it's not not attractive in this moment. Not not attractive at all. No. It's, oh, no. I'm kind of, like, over it. I really want, like, I kind of feel bad to say, for saying this, but I kind of want one of Connor's patient to die so he can feel a certain way. Yeah. Because he got so many wins that I don't, I don't think he even knows what losing a patient means compared to Will, who's losing patient, like, every week. You know yeah. what? What I thought for a moment, too, like, when... He, like, kept calling Ava out and, like, was fully calling Ava out. Not just about, like, her riskiness in the hospital, but just, like, about, like, what she was doing and that whole, like, did she actually sleep with his father thing, whatever. Yeah. Like, I thought maybe we were going there for a moment and that they would have finally, like, gotten all their issues out on the table and that it could have been affected or fixed or whatever needed to happen in their professional relationship. But right now we're just kind of in this limbo where, like, no one's really talked about it and, like, Ava just kind of keeps you know, like, being the outsider, the Connor and Robin, or whatever that is, and it's just, like, we're just kind of in this limbo, I'm sure, and that's just, an, you know, the effect of, like, we have to get closer to the finale so that can, like, come to a head, but I'm just, like, yeah. it's left this relationship professionally in this, like, weird spot of, like, I, I don't even know, like, it's just, I don't know. I just need them to, like, go ahead and blow up even more at each other and, like, the truth to come out so that we can, like, move past this, like, awkward professional relationship. I don't know. I just feel like Ava's uh, character is kind of, like, they don't even know what to do with her. Yeah, I mean, I just feel, like, bad for her because she's always there for, like, to proper like for Connor, I don't know how to explain it, but she's not really on her own. We don't know much about Ava. We she's, don't like every time she's trying to take a risk, it's only for, to make Connor look good. Ava could not exist without Connor. 
Not no. saying that like not saying that Norma is not capable of handling a character like wouldn't be able to capable of handling it because she would but Ava is very as a character is very dependent on Connor like Ava does not exist if it's not for Connor and so I don't know if that's the way they're trying to make it and they're trying to keep Ava as this like one-dimensional thing because maybe they'll kick her out or I don't she'll leave the show I don't know if that's where they're trying to go I don't know what they're trying to do with her but yeah like it's kind of surprising she's been around for two full seasons almost at this point and we don't know anything about her background besides the fact that she's from um South Africa. South Africa, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do with her. But, like, right now, she looks like a Lifetime movie killer still. Because, so, finishing this part of the storyline up, basically, the plan worked, thank God. But it's like we said, Connor's, like, doesn't seem to not be losing at this point. Um, and so, tumors removed, hearts reimplanted successfully, yada, yada, y'all as well. And, basically, Robin and Connor are telling the patient, you know, like, the success and whatever they're like talking to the patient and Ava's like standing like beyond a window just like looking in on that scene and it's just like it literally looks like a scene right out of a lifetime like serial killer movie like it's crazy but I kind of felt bad for her like why Robin was there she like I understand she helped but thankfully she's not his doctor Right. No, I definitely agree, and I mean, like, I feel bad. I... Like, I kind of felt bad, like, the past couple episodes, I was like, okay, whatever, Ava is kind of becoming weird and everything. There's something going on. But that episode, I kind of felt bad. Like, from the beginning, like, when they were talking and everything, like, even though Robin was trying to include her, her relationship with Connor is so, like, broken that it's not natural, and then at the end, she couldn't even go see her patient because these two had already, like, was already in the room. It was just weird. Yeah. I, I mean, well, so, okay, when I honestly thought for a second, like, in that scene, that she was gonna, like, walk around the corner and, like, see them kissing or something, and, like, have that set off this whole, like, Lifetime movie killer thing until, like, for the last five episodes of the season. But Allison, I think, brings up a really good point in her email to us, and she said, you know, if they hadn't made Ava behave bizarrely all season, I would have actually felt bad for her. And I think that's a really valid point. Like, I have a hard time feeling bad for her right now, just because I've had no attachment to her all season. Yeah. I don't know. And so it's hard for me in this moment to feel bad for her when I've literally felt nothing for her all season, and I've honestly wanted her gone. Like, I really, like, yeah, I... What, sure what I've loved to have them have seen to, you know to like build off like another badass woman character and you know have her be able to act independently of Connor and you know gotten to know that like of course I would have I mean I wasn't the biggest Ava fan last year either but like I mean of course like I would I'm all for another badass female character on the show but, but I'm kinda, I'm, yeah I understand yeah but that's not where I, kinda, the, I agree but I think that it would be like the third woman that would be leaving because of Connor. Like, the first woman was Samantha, was her name, like, in season one. And then there was Robin. And then Ava, like, is... I just feel... I think like I'd, ar- I'd argue, though, that Robin didn't necessarily leave... I mean, I guess it was kind of indirectly related to Connor, but I think Co- Robin needed to leave for herself. And okay. that was more, yeah. honestly, I think probably, like, an actress thing, because at that point, 
she had, yeah, she had she was on once upon a time i think was the show yes. i think that was what she was on so i think that was more of like a we have to write robin out because Micaiah cox can't stick around kind of thing not like a like connor's the worst like he made robin leave i think it was a Micaiah cox needed to leave and b robin needed to leave for herself which is why she didn't even tell connor she was leaving but yeah i see what i see what you're saying though that like yeah it might not look that great but like I just don't see how they're going to be able to, like, bring her back into a character that I'm actually rooting for after this season. I just, I don't. I don't think she's going to stick around, to be honest. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're preparing for her to have, like, a cliffhanger that makes her leave. Yeah. Which is why, like I said, I mean, like, it's hard for me to feel bad for her. Like, like Allison said, like, it's hard for me to feel bad yeah. for her in this moment because she's just acted so bizarrely all season. And like, I don't really know where they're going with this character. And it's going to be hard for me to see, like, for her, them to redeem her in my eyes. But yeah, I don't know. I agree. So I guess let's move on to Manstead because dear Lord, I have no idea what's happening with man's what that last scene Manstead scene is, but um <laughs> So, of yeah. course, though, Manstead opens, or at least in terms of Manstead, like, the episode starts with them, like, having this awkward moment where Will just, like, randomly gives her back her house key before they walk in to treat a patient. It's just, like, bad timing, Will. Like, I, I mean, like, ice cold, first of all, like, especially because yeah. it's so casual, but, like, also just, like, bad timing. Like, what the hell? I know, right? I don't know. It was just weird, but I guess we needed to do it now. But, yeah. Yeah. And so basically, they're working on a case where it's two teens with cystic fibrosis and base cystic fibrosis, and basically they aren't allowed to be in the same room because you know that can make each other's conditions worse. I don't know a bunch of the science behind it, but like I just know that's the case. Like they can't be within you know a certain amount of radius from each other because it'll make each other worse. Yeah. Um, but Ben is the or the guy. His name's Ben. He's the actual patient, and he needs a lung transplant. And, of course, you know, some are quickly located, but then, of course, he starts to decline when the new lungs were, like, still far enough away. Um, and, but, of course, like, keeping alive meant putting in another chest tube that caused more damage, and then, like, they had to call off the transplant. But before we get further into this, Gina brought up an interesting point that I think is worth talking about. So, like we said... These patient, well, the patient is a teen with CF, and his girlfriend also has CF, and she, we get to know her a little bit, too. And she, Gina said, I, you know, I hate when shows try to do something similar to what another TV show or movie is currently trying to do. And what she's referring to is the new movie Five Feet Apart that's out in theaters right now that stars Cole Sprouse and Haley Richardson and was directed by Justin Baldoni from Jane's Virgin. And I, like, I, like, I agree that, like, yeah, it's, like, we were just talking about with, like, the randomness of, like, Station 19 and Med both having the same parts of storylines in this episode. Like, it's kind of weird, or in the same week. Like, it's kind of weird. But, like, also to play devil's advocate to Gina's point, like, obviously they don't know that, like, both were coming out around now and that, like, it's probably just a coincidence. Yeah. So, like, you know, I mean, and regardless, like, the scene where, well, no, we'll get there. I'll save that in a second. Like, but like the scene at the end where they do, you know, well, no, I'll save that for a second because that doesn't really fit with this point. But like, you know, 
like you don't know like i mean it's not like they're like oh let me see if there's a movie coming out about two teens with cystic fibrosis or another show's doing that storyline like let's plan around that like you can't really do that it's just a coincidence that like five feet apart came out in march and this also is happening in march yeah but also like if it would have happened before or after like they couldn't know. That's what I like. Yeah. After it would look like they copy it, even though they f- film like months before that and everything. And before it would just look like, oh, that's funny. They did it before, you know. So it's kind of just like a loose situation at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. yeah. But like, if I mean, honestly, though, if this storyline had happened. Or no, if the movie had come out, say, like, last year, like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I kind of, like, I first learned about this in Five Feet Apart and, like, just kind of maybe left it at that. Maybe I would have said, like, oh, it's kind of similar. But, like, I wouldn't have really thought about it. I might have just said, like, oh, yeah, I learned about this in Five Feet Apart and, like, left it at that. So, like, I don't know. I don't really see a problem with it. I just think it, you know, like, I think it's just fresh in your head because they both have come out right around now. And so you're like, oh, it seems like maybe they're copying each other. But, like, Obviously, like we said, like, they can't plan this. Like, they didn't know, or they don't, like, I'm sure it's not the first thing that crossed their mind to, like, look and see if a storyline is happening in an episode, like, around then. And, like, they can't know that, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so going back to, like, the actual story, I mean, basically, like we said, when they have to put in the chest tube and call off the transplant, I mean, that's what effectively kills Ben. I mean... You know, the available lungs then can go... The problem, though, is though the available lungs get to the hospital in time, but they have to... And they have to be used, of course, and so that means since Ben doesn't get them, they go to the girlfriend. But she refuses, you know, she's not... A, doesn't want to leave her dying boyfriend, and B, you know, she doesn't want... She feels like she's taking something away from him, which she doesn't want to do, but and Will finally tells her, you know, like, if you agree to get the lung transplant, that means you can actually spend some physical time with him before he passes away. And so it's really cute, but also just really heartbreaking, you know, they finally get to be in the same space, even though this the guy's about to die, and they get to share their first kiss, because they, since they couldn't be in the same space, they couldn't have they couldn't kiss each other um and it's just you know like that first kiss scene like it made me ball like a baby like not gonna lie it was it was good uh yeah i cried too it was um something but like just the fact that they kind of accept that he was gonna die anyway it was just raw to know that like it would be his last moment moment yeah yeah. Yeah. When well, Gina pointed out too, she was funny because so he had a DNR, and so when he actually comes to the point where he's like dying, like they can't do anything about it because, you know, it's a DNR. And Gina was like, "Did Will just honor a DNR?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he did." Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was just really heartbreaking to see them finally accept that you know he's gonna die, and you know this is how he wants to spend the last moments of his life. But it was really. I mean, it was heartbreakingly beautiful. Like, it was a really beautiful moment at the same time, too. Um, But, yeah. So, that's really that part. And, basically, you know, another part of the Natalie and Will stuff is that... um, 
you know, at one point Philip comes in, you know, because his daughter has to have a checkup. And so Natalie, like, walks with him to the checkup or whatever. And, of course, this prompts this moment of Will to, like, be jealous. And, like, Maggie can, like, see it on his face. And it's not a good look on Will. Like, it's not, jealousy is not a good look on Will. But it's kind of, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's not a good look. I agree. But I think that it's, I think he's trying to understand what went wrong. Which is going to bring us to the last scene. Yeah. They, like, kind of talk about it. And they're like, we had some good memories, right? Yeah. And she was like, right. So I feel like he was trying to understand, like, is it time to let go? I think that that's the way I saw it. That's interesting. That's an interesting read on it, because I don't know what I still think. Like, that we're, I mean, five days later, whatever, Sunday we're recording this, that aired on Wednesday. I don't even yeah. know. Like, I don't know how I feel about this scene still. Like, house key or something I think that's the thing like he was trying to understand like what went wrong if she's really happy like why him should I let her go I think he, he was dealing with so many emotions that yeah he was just like trying to understand if it's time to move on more than he was jealous because I feel like jealous will would be more like Oh yeah, you and Philip and like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't I mean, well in that moment I think he definitely I think that was the first time he had seen Natalie and Philip since they kissed and obviously they weren't like holding hands or something, but there's definitely a different aura around Natalie and Philip. So I think that maybe have thrown Will off for a second. I do like your reading of the last scene, but for me, I just thought the fact that they ended like like Will says, you know, like we've had some good memories, right? And Natalie's like, right. And then that's all they say to each other. Like I still just like, I think if Will had said one more thing, I don't know what it would have been, but if Will had said one more thing, I would have been like, oh, okay, maybe, uh, okay, like, I would have had a, a little bit of a better read on where they were trying to go, but I just, like, I'm, s- I'm so confused, like, is that, like, like you said, like, is that him getting the closure he needed to finally, like, give her up for good and move on, like, I, I just, I don't know. But even her, Nally, was surprised by his, like, like, she made kind of a face that was, like, oh, she wasn't expecting that, you know? I yeah. I think, like, even her, she was, like, uh, what is going on? As for real, it's like clear in his head that it's like, yeah, it's over. We're not going back to what we were, you know? Yeah. Well, so kind of going off that too, Allison asked us a question and she said, was this episode of Med supposed to take place a while after the last one? With Will knowing about Natalie's new relationship, it seems like some time had passed, but I wasn't clear how much. That's a great question. I don't know. Um, and, like, going off of your reading, it maybe Perry, maybe that would make sense that some time had passed and Will was familiar with Natalie and Philip. however they're defining their relationship. Um, and maybe that wasn't the first time you'd seen together them together. For me, I read it differently. I Like I said, I thought maybe that was, like, the first time he had seen them together. But we don't know. But I do want to talk about, though, this TV Guide article that came out. 
Um, so, like I said, TV Guide came out with an article this week that said, Chicago is letting go of Manstead, and you should too. And the part that I wanted to highlight that was, was like, related to, it tied back to this moment we were just discussing. So, the author writes, it was a brief but sweet moment that felt like proper closure for the former couple. With Nat already moving on to Philip Davis, the hunky widow she first met in the NICU, and Will setting his sights on the attractive new neighbor, um, don't expect me instead to get back together anytime soon, if ever. And you know what? It's probably for the best. Don't get me wrong. Their romance was one. Their romance was legendary, and stands as one of Chicago, one Chicago's greatest couples. But they're clearly moving on from that, and it's time to do the same. I don't know. I read that and I was like, mm, maybe not. They're taking a break, but like, yeah, I don't think we should let go of men's bed. They're not letting. They're they're not letting go of their like anchorship. Like I like I agree. They're taking a break, sure, and I don't know what's gonna happen with them, but like they're not never going back to Manstead. And like his attractive new neighbor, like we saw her once. And, like, that woman, like, the one, the actress got a new, like, deal to be in a new TV show for CBC, I think. Yeah, to the, so the age, so I think that what they're referencing is the <laughs> FBI agent that Will, like, runs into. Yeah. I, she's supposed to be, I think it's in next week's, or this week's episode, I think, if I remember from the episode description. But, yeah, she got a new role and a job, so she's not coming back for good. Like, so we, I like, I mean, so... Will is definitely not necessarily starting a new romance in particular, but um, I don't know. It's but I gotta agree too that it's kind of good to take a break of men's dad. Yeah, I don't think definitely like, need to like figure their shit out for sure. Yeah, but letting go, I'm not the biggest men's dad like fan, but like I wouldn't go as far to say this. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I just thought it was interesting because, like, it's very, like I said, I, A, I don't think it's forever. And, B, um, I just really still don't understand what that scene is. And I'll, I will be curious, though, knowing what we know about, like, Natalie apparently ends the season with, like, a big cliffhanger or whatever. Like, how that might, you know, go with how Philip might play into that or will. Like, I'll be curious to see what they do with me instead for the rest of the season. Um and just see, like, where they're going. Yeah. But I think we're going to take a break of Menstead this week because they switched a couple. I think uh, Natalie is going to be with Eden and, like, April yeah. is going to be with Will. Yeah. So that's good. We're switching up the pairs. I always I, – I, I do like seeing the couples work together sometimes, but I think one of the reasons – and we've talked about this before, but, like, one of the reasons it can be – these couples in particular can get so frustrating is just the fact that they're constantly working together. So it is really yeah. nice when you get to see like a different pairing every now and then, um, because yeah. it means you don't want to pull your hair out when it comes to the couples that week. Um, yeah. but we could just quickly talk about the Dr. Charles stuff. So basically Dr. Charles, you know, of course is still dealing with Caroline's clinical trial. And I mean, like he's like, backseat driving it essentially I mean she even like kicks him out of the room at one point she's like yeah no you can't be in here like I know how to deal with my shit like I love that you care but like no um but of course then this prompts Dr. Charles to take his frustration out on a patient and like even puts her goes so far to like puts her as a psych hold because like he didn't agree with her choices which I thought was insane oh well that's Dr. Charles I feel like the past like since Sarah left He's not been his self. 
And, like, he got so many issues to deal with that, like, it's kind of becoming hard to see. And the way he transferred his emotion to his patients, it's kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. But, like... The fact too, I mean, I get it. Like Goodwin and Doc, or Goodwin and Charles are friends, and like Goodwin even you know talks to him about like not bringing his emotions to work, but like, and so he ultimately ends up canceling it. But like, come on, like, how is he now suspended? How is no one on the show never not suspended for something they do that's like as asinine as that was? I don't know. I I never thought about it. That's true. Yeah. No, we talk. I mean, we talk about it all the time. That like. Yeah, no, I, I know that, but it's true. I haven't thought, like, about a suspension for what he did. He I, he should have been, something, he, something should have happened. Because, like, she doesn't really have, like, if she had shown something where they thought she needed to be in a psych hole, like, is, like some kind of symptoms, okay, fine. But he just didn't, he just flat out didn't agree with what she wanted to do. Which, like, go back to what I was saying, like, why he wasn't listening to the patient's wishes. Like, if she wanted to have a tapeworm inside of her, let her deal with it, you know? Like, Curry uh, had an excellent plan, and they were going to follow up and everything, and it was just, like, not agreeing. He was not listening to her. The same way he wasn't listening to Cece, but that's another thing. Yeah, also, on that tape note, tapeworm note real quick, like, just... Gross. Like, I would never want to have a tapeworm inside of me. Like, ever. I don't know what she thought she was doing, but good for her if her MS is, like, gone. But I was like, tapeworm? Ugh. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, but also, did you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? Are you, do you, like, did you ever watch Grey's Anatomy at all? I did. Okay. But I stopped. Yeah. No, but, like, I don't, it's not current. So, the whole... Meredith Grey Alzheimer's like trial stuff from season the end of season eight of Grey's Anatomy where she like puts Adele like she like wants to switch something with like Adele to like help get Adele into the Alzheimer's trial and so she like ends up whatever that whole storyline this gives me that kind of vibes like I feel like Dr. Charles is gonna go do something crazy to get CC into the trial that she needs to be in and like can't be in or whatever it just gives me those kind of vibes and I like swear to god if that happens like I I won't be able to handle it (laughs) but isn't she already at the trial or I I I don't remember right now we don't know if it's possible or if the works I just feel like he's gonna do something drastic and like illegal that he shouldn't to try to save her life, whether it's, like, a trial-related thing or not. And I just, I don't know. That's what I think of when I think of, like, Meredith Grey trying to, like, save Adele's life by, like, yeah. in that case it was a trial, in this case it might not be. But I just get those kind of feelings that, like, he doesn't want to see anything happen to her, so he's going to do something stupid and illegal to, like, keep her alive, and it's going to backfire, and I'm just like, I swear to God. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like she's going to die. Yeah gonna ask her to marry like before the end of the season because i feel right now the she's unpassable but they don't know that yet so you think she's gonna like the, he's gonna ask her to marry him and then like they're gonna get married again or whatever and then she's gonna die yeah interesting i feel, I feel that's what's gonna happen with that storyline because they see a couple is getting married and like Minstead doesn't look like they're getting married at the end of the season so I think it's going to be, like, Dr. Charles and Cece. 
Interesting. That's an. Int- I like that theory. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I just I don't feel the trial is working that much, and like, and he cares so much about her, and he kind of has some regrets. So yeah, that's my theory for the end of the season. Well, now. we are close enough to finding out, so we will soon see if that's the case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have any other things med wise to talk about? No, I think it was, I was, it was enough. I think that's it. Yeah, but it like was, it was a all right episode. Yeah, like, I mean, not Med's worst episode, not Med's best episode, but like I think at this point we're just like we're getting so close to the finale that these episodes always before the, like the final push are always in any show. I feel like are hit or miss. Um, yeah. And yeah, but I'll be curious to see how the season ends up. And yeah. Perry, thank you so much for talking about Med with me this week. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure. Of course, and I'm sure we will have you back on at some point. I don't know when, but I'm sure you'll be back soon. Yay. Um, but yeah, so guys, stay tuned for a second, and we will be right back with Fire. Okay, guys, so next we have our lovely friend Ashley here with us to talk about Chicago Fire. Ashley, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me back. Of course. This is, what, your third time back? Third time on? Third one. I know. Third time's the charm. Yes. So as we've been talking about, we were talking about episode 17, and but before that, we're going to talk about a little bit of news. Not... I guess this news doesn't directly correlate to Chicago Fire, but since he was a big part of Chicago Fire, Gina and I felt like we should at least touch on it real quick. Um, But Charlie Barnett is set to recur in the second season of You. Um, According to Deadline, he will play Gabe, um, an old friend and close confidant of love. He's a successful acupuncturist and psychedelics aficionado living in L.A. and living life to the fullest. Um, and I mean, we just thought it was fun. Like he's becoming such a little Netflix star and I love him. Um, but I've actually never, are you, do you watch you? Are you like, no, I have not. It's on my list. I plan to watch it. I really do, but I haven't seen it yet. I watched the first episode. I watched a screener of it back when it looked like I might have interviewed them like at ATX cause they were at ATX last year. And, like, like, it's just not my show. Like, I thought it was good, but, like, I just know it's not my kind of show. So, like, I don't know if I'll watch it. But I do love that, like, he's become a little Netflix star and he's, like, thriving. And, I mean, as much as I wish he would come back to fire, at least at some point, because I do miss him. But, like, I do love that he's become a little, like, Netflix star. Did you watch Russian Doll? Did you watch him on that show? On my list, Gina watched it, and I think she really liked it from what I remember her telling me, but I did not get around to watching it. Did you watch it? I'm almost finished. I, um, I've watched all but the last two episodes, and I was kind of saving them because I want to watch them together, but I really liked it, and I really liked him in it. Um, yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't think I heard anything bad about Russian Doll. Um, but I just like, I mean, you know, like there's just so much to watch and especially with like the work we do, it's just like, I can't like, you got to keep up with the things you're like recapping and I'm just like, I can't summer, summer. I'm just like summer. I'll get to it. Right. Yeah. Catch up on all the TV then. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Probably not. At this rate with all the stuff that comes out in the summer too, I'm just like, we'll see. I'll catch up on things whenever. 
But yeah, that's all the fire-related news we have for this week. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the episode. And I let's start with Casey and Herman. Because I have some feelings on this. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> basically, the, that storyline starts with, you know, there's an apartment fire and they go. And Herman's job, obviously, is engine lieutenant is getting this water ready and hooking up to the fire hydrants or whatever. But, of course, the fire hydrant that's closest to the building is blocked off. So Herman has to park further away and, like, pull the hose across the street. And it gets run over by an SUV that didn't see the hose in the street. And when it gets run over, it, like, Ritter gets knocked off the back and, like, injures his shoulder. And then Casey chews out Herman, like, big time he's like you know what a good engine lieutenant does Herman he doesn't add to the incident and like Bowden of course tries to talk Casey down about this and like about his attitude and he's just like it's part of the job like he's gotta you know learn to do it I'm just like it was just bad from the beginning yeah I mean as you as you describe that again like it feels (laughs) like it's like slapstick right it's like very contrived I mean, the just just the incident. I was so stuck on the on the Casey thing, but like, just to start with, the the whole the SUV and the line and the and the way he gets pulled and stuff. That's that's not. That's a little slapstick, right? Right, and I just I also too like. To me, it didn't make sense. Like, a I didn't really see what the problem was. Like, if the hose is blocked off, like yeah, you could spend time like undoing the cars to like get to the proper hydrant. Or you could do what Herman did and, like, park across the street, pull the hose across the street. But, like, I don't understand why. I guess typically, like, they block off streets, like, when fire trucks are around. Like, I just didn't understand, like, why that was such a big deal that he did that. Like, yeah, they didn't block off the streets in time and an SUV ran over it. But, like, I don't know. I didn't, to me, it didn't seem, like, as big of a deal. Like, what, you want him to spend 10 minutes moving the cars so that he could get to the other hydrant? Like, it just... I didn't understand what the big deal was. I mean, I guess, like, I get it. Like, I, it's technically not safe but I was just like that's stupid like it just all from the premise of it I was like this is stupid I was like that like you said it's slapstick it didn't really make sense to me yeah and it was strange to me that an SUV would just go blowing through there like that too right I was just like yeah and so then I was like well I mean so what if the SUV hadn't gone through the street and like ran over it like he probably shouldn't have like would you have said anything Casey like would you still have made this big of a deal of it like right Right. I don't know. It just didn't make that much sense. I was like, okay. So it was already just like a problem from the beginning. I was like, this is not going to go well. Like, ugh. Exactly. But then, so obviously Ritter, not badly injures his shoulder, but enough to like where he needs to take a couple of shifts off. So they're going to need a floater. But, you know, and typically it would be the lieutenant or captain for that specific company who picks the floater. But Casey just went ahead and picked a floater from a the pool and Herman is really pissed and he because you know he hates that the floater was picked for him um which I would be too I was kind of like I don't understand why Casey was all like nonchalant about like the fact that like he just did it because he just wanted to do it I was like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) like what are you doing this doesn't feel like okay and I I mean do, do you want me to talk about this now or later? I, I have thoughts on just Casey in general on this episode. Let's just go for it right now. Just go for it. Okay. Like, who is this man and what hap- What did he do with Matt Casey? And I realize that this is... Okay, I, I get the point is that he's dealing with, 
you know, what happened in the episode before this. Like, he had this, like, near-death experience. I understand they're trying to, to, to show that. And that's great. I'm glad that they're doing that. But does it feel forced to you? It's... And I don't know if force is the word I would use, but yeah, I agree that obviously you can tell that that's what they're trying to do. It just doesn't seem like, and maybe, I mean, obviously everyone has experiences trauma and the aftermath of trauma in a very different way, but it just doesn't seem, it just seems like his attitude has changed. Not that he's actually going through right and experiencing PTSD or what, like whatever, the experience, the aftermath of the trauma that he went through. It just seems like he's like, become an asshole like not that he's actually going through something that significant so to me it's not even like like I think if it was just like a different kind of attitude or like a different like he was coming off a different way like I would be like oh yeah this is great because I do agree like I'm glad that they're trying to show that he's going through something because that's something that like when Otis went through it earlier this season I was like yes like we're gonna see more of this that we're, this is great and then they kind of dropped the ball and I was like oh shit like mm-hmm. whatever and that's something I've act- I really like that station 19's doing not to compare the two but I really thought that they've done a really good job of the PTSD stuff on station 19 so I was glad I was like yeah fire's going back to that they're going to try this again like this is gonna be great and it's just come off as Casey being an asshole and I'm just like mm-hmm. that's not cool and it's I don't like it on him it, it it feels strange. It it doesn't feel like his character at all. And and if it were going to, it's like they missed a beat somewhere or something. Yeah, I think because too, Casey's always been you know such a leader, and not that he can't be critical when necessary, but like he's just done it in a more compassionate way. I don't know. I, I guess that's the right word I'm looking for, but like he's just done it in like a softer way, even when he's had to be critical of somebody. And that's just not what this is. And so it's just like a complete 180 almost of like his leadership style. And it's just like, who is this guy? Like what, like, I hope he, this guy, I mean, obviously I want Casey to figure out what he needs to figure out regardless. And then if this is really changing that much and this is the person he's going to be, then like, I don't know how I feel about that. But, like, I hope it's, like, he once he goes through the stuff that he needs to go through that, like, this will go away. But, like, gosh, like, it's not a good look on him. No, it's not. And I I almost want to, I want to put on this that it still has something to do with Gabby, too. Because I don't feel like they have dealt with that enough, either. Yeah. I mean, I just... I, I really want want them to slow down and just, like, focus on Matt Casey for a little while. And, like, really let us see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When I think Fire 2, out of all the three shows, and it's funny, I've talked about this in some regard, like, with all three conversations that I've done today. But, you know, Fire, out of all three shows, has the most room to play with the growth, like, the character development, because... You know, you get the cases, like, one or two in, like, maybe a five-minute spurt here or there. And, like, like I said, you may get one case. Sometimes you get two, but, like, mostly just one sometimes these days. And so, but there's so much downtime. So there is so much room to play with the character development and, like, other storylines that aren't just case-heavy. Whereas, like, PD is entirely case-heavy and Med kind of balance is, like, the in-between. And so I feel like Fire really does have the room if they are choosing to like 
deal with the Gabby stuff, like, if they want to. But I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I was never big, really big, the biggest Gabby fan. But, like, I do feel like here and there, there could have been a little bit more of an acknowledgement to it. Yeah, it just feels like it. I mean, they still mention it sometimes. He, we, we've seen it a little bit. I'm not saying we haven't seen it at all because we have, but it's just not. It's not as much as I would have wanted, and so I'm really like I can see this anger being like, oh, you know, I don't know. Realizing now, I'm stumbling over my words trying to come up with what I'm trying to say, but it's just I'm thinking about like Naomi and his apartment being on fire, and oh my god, his apartment being on fire. Right? Like, all these things. <laughs> I forgot he about that through, until just went, now. I mean, he's gone through some shit. I mean, the premiere episode, Hell, was, like, the one where he almost got crushed by an elevator. Right. Like, he's literally in, like, 17 episodes gone through so much shit. It's like, what the hell? Like. Right. And the result is that he yells at Herman unnecessarily. Right. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I especially thought, too, that after he had that talk with Bowden. I was like, okay, Bowden got through to him. Bowden's going to be the person that he goes to when he feels like he needs to act out of place. And he, instead of acting out of place, he's going to go to Bowden instead. And, like, if he has to yell at Bowden, okay, he has to yell at Bowden. But at least Bowden can be that person where it, Bowden can take it and know that it's not personal. And not that right. Herman, I think, took it personally, but, like, Bowden could just be that person as, like, a father figure that, like, Casey could t- yell at him and be fine. But, like... Mm-hmm. Then he decided to go be all this weird leader and yell at everyone around him and just, like, yell at Stella. And he yelled at Stella at one point, too, and was, like, yelling at Herman 10 million times and passive-aggressively picking out candidates for floaters. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, I know you're going through shit, but you can handle it a little bit better. That's my bottom line. Yeah. So. Absolutely. It's just crazy. And then, so, speaking of Bowden, though, so Bowden ends up stopping by Herman's place, like, later that night and says, like, give Casey some slack, like, he's dealing with more than you know. And, like, when Herman heard that, he kind of, like, took a step back, like, oh, well, I hope he's okay. And something, I guess, clicked off in Herman, which, like, I appreciate that, but, like, once Herman realized that Casey was going through something, he, like, maybe stopped thinking of Casey however he was thinking of him and, like, saw it in a different light. But that also doesn't mean what Casey did was right, either. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really nice moment for Herman to be like, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna step back and under- be understanding, but he should have still been pissed, I think. I don't know. But it was nice for Herman. This was a nice episode for Herman, I feel like. Well, until we, I, we'll talk. I have a little bit yes, of feelings yes, about yes, the, yes. yeah, we'll get there. But, so basically the episode in terms of this part ends with Herman apologizing for making a mistake on the scene. And then Casey ends up apologizing too. And he's like, I haven't been myself lately. And Herman tells him, he's like, you know, I want you to know that I don't take it for granted that you are my superior officer. Like I'm not a suck up, but I've been lucky to watch you operate for a good part of my career and have learned from you every single shift. Like I'm damn proud to serve under you. And I really like that moment. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, I'm still a little salty towards Casey. Yeah, same. It's a really sweet moment. And I like I like that they have that. And I like that fire does this thing where it 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 doesn't let um, feuds, you know, stick their family. Right. And that's the point. And that's what I think they're trying to say. It's like, oh, we're a family and, you know, this is what happens and we're going to be okay. 
But yeah, same. I mean, I feel like he went a little too easy on Casey or Casey didn't. I What I wanted to happen in that moment. As I was watching it, I thought, oh, oh, Casey's going to confide in Herman. He's going to confide in him. He's going to tell him what happened. They're going to have a long talk about it. It's going to be good. And that didn't happen. And I was so sad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just feel like, like, kind of like what you're saying. Like, I just felt like I needed something a little bit more from Casey. Like, yes, I'm glad he apologized. And yes, I really like this moment. But I just, like... I felt like I needed just a little bit something more from Casey because the way he acted in this episode wasn't just like, oh, he accused Herman of doing something wrong and then like saw the light and maybe Herman was right. This was like over the line, like tenfold. Mm-hmm. And because you're right, the whole thing with the, the picking the floater, the the way he blew up at the scene was one thing because he sort of blew up. So I could see temper, right? That's That's your temper. But... But the other was premeditated, that's a weird word to use, but premeditated, right? Like, he put some thought into undercutting and and basically, you know, un- undermining him, right? That's what I'm looking for, undermining his authority. Like, he thought about that. Right, yeah, he did it knowingly. And I think, too, like, in the fact that it took him, it wasn't even like, oh, like, you know, 24 hours later after, like, being away from shift for a second, like, he thought about it and he was wrong. Like, it took the guy coming, the floater guy coming in and asking for all these crazy demands, like, to have his own locker and whatever. Like, it took all of that and this guy being just, like, an obnoxious asshole for Casey to be like, I guess maybe I was wrong. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, yeah. and just, like, it took all of that for Casey to realize that, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have undermined someone who in some ways is kind of like a mentor to me and but like now as like a colleague and you know someone who's like closer to my level like you know it's just like it took all of that for him to realize that like what he did was wrong and I was just like oh boy okay so yeah yeah I mean obviously I still have hope for Casey like I'm nowhere near close to like giving up on Casey but like the trend of this season is not I'm mm, not all there on Casey right now no, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. But, so that is what's up with Herman and Casey. But let's talk about Stellaride, because this was, like, the most requested thing, like, people wanted us to talk about. Yes. <clears throat> I'm excited. Yeah. So, this was a great storyline. I love the storyline. Yeah, I mean, to me, this was the best part of the episode. Like, everything else was whatever, who cares, but this was great. This was really great. I had issues with other every other part of the episode, but this, I was like, this is just great. I, I love this. So, basically, at that same apartment fire, Stella was going, you know, clearing rooms and stuff, and she found a suspicious crawl space in one of the apartments, and it looked like someone might have been living there because there was, like, some paper and, like, some wrappers or something like that. And so, when they're back at the firehouse, Stella says, you know, she wants to investigate. She just has this, like, bad feeling. And Bowden, you know being the best leader that Bowdoin is, just, like, doesn't even ask questions. He just gives her the go-ahead, like, you do what you gotta do. So Upton comes in and, you know, hears Stella out, and she's like, well, I can't really, you know, without seeing the scene, like, I can't really say anything or do anything. So she and Stella and Sev, because Sev just, like, has to go with them to make sure Stella's okay and, you know, just be there, which I love. Um, 
you know, they go to the scene and, of course, the whole area has been destroyed in the fire. So, of course, without any evidence, Upton is sympathetic yet stuck. Like, she can't really do anything. But she says she'll look into it the best she can. And so Upton shows up to Molly's the next day, whenever. And with a little more info on the guy whose apartment is it is. But, you know, there's not really much more she can do. Again, like, the apartment was burned down. Like, there's only so much she can do. But Severide being... I love Investigator Severide. Like, I, I love Investigator Severide. I do, too. And, I mean, I like... He, he's my favorite with it because he's always the supportive one, isn't he? I, I mean, am I wrong about that? I feel like he did. he's done this with Gabby before. You know, he's like, I'm going to go and, and help you out and make sure things are going to be okay kind of guy. Yeah, I like it. When I also just think, like, he's so, I mean, Jane and I have talked about this before. Like, not saying that everyone else isn't, but, like, he's just so smart. And so he sees yeah. things almost like he's gone through the police academy like, he just has that kind of training, just, like, naturally almost. Right. And so it's just, like, he could almost fit in just as well into the intelligence unit. I mean, obviously, he just doesn't have that kind of training, but, like, he could fit in just as well because he's just so smart. So, right. like, he actually, like, when he goes and investigates things, like, he's almost, it's almost like he is just an extension of intelligence, um, which I love. Um, but yeah, so he suggests that Stella, he and Stella go and speak to the woman who started the fire and who was a neighbors with this guy. And the woman tells them that she had actually had a bunch of her neighbor's mail in her apartment. And of course, it was suspicious, though, that there was all different names on the envelopes. And of course, there ended up being a letter in there from the government that made Stella think that the neighbor was taking in foster kids and putting them in the wall so that he could just collect the money and just like keep them there. Um, which is really awful to think about. Like, I, like, I hate just, like, even thinking about that image. Um, I can't believe, because you know this stuff is grounded in truth. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around someone doing such a thing. I mean, that's really, it's really horrifying. I know. I feel like they've done something not, like, close to similar on PD, like, a similar-ish storyline with, like, foster kids and taking them in and like treat obviously like sticking them somewhere in like a tiny corner and like just to take the money um or maybe i'm thinking of the sexual abuse one but like similar ish storylines and it's just like every time it just like breaks my heart to think about that yeah kids are used just for money um it's just heartbreaking but that's what makes this really i mean that's why i liked this so much too is because it was, I feel like, really important to see, you know? Um, and I like it when we get that kind of stuff on these shows. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and especially with fire, I mean, because obviously, like, PD, it's just, it's a little bit more grounded in reality just because of the subject matter at hand always. Like, but so it's really nice when fire or med or something, like, at one of the other shows like, take something that you could see and, like, grounded in a little bit more of reality. Just because, like, sometimes with fire especially, too, like, it's a little bit easier to escape just because it's just, you know, like, fires. I mean, obviously, those are terrible things that happen, but, like, they can happen in any show and whatever. And so it's just easier for me to escape the fire a little bit more. So, like, I do, as heartbreaking as it is, like, I do like when they have moments that, like, bring me down to earth and be like, oh, yeah, this actually could happen, like, outside of the world. But at least the story ended up 
good in some ways. And so, because they end up tracking down the die and getting into his new place. And Stella sees, like, something that looked like the other wall that she had seen. And they end up having, like, like I said, another fake wall panel, which ended up having two kids in there, like Stella thought. And, of course, like, this episode, too, when they go into the apartment for the first time and they're asking the guy about, like, the wall, like, Severide almost ends up getting stabbed again. And it's just like, dear Lord. Can we stop trying to stab Severide, please, in Stella's presence? Okay. But can I say something else? Yeah, about of course. This? What? They, they knew. Why didn't they wait? Why would you go in there without the police? Why? Why? <laughs> Have you met Severide? I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, no, I haven't. Not actually. Well, yeah, but like... I mean, you know, like, Severide... Severide doesn't wait for anybody. Like, I think they're afraid for the kid. I think, really, at the end of the day, like, they were just so afraid for the kid's safety, and they just... If it, if that's what is what it was, like, and obviously their gut reaction was right, like, then they didn't want the kids to be alone any longer than they had to be. But, yeah, they probably should have gone in with something. I mean. Well, they knew she was coming, but he called her. I just, I mean, I'm with you. I think that's what it was, and I think he's impulsive, and I think they were both trying to be, you know, they were taking it on themselves, right? Um, but I just, I just was like, if you had waited two more minutes, you wouldn't have gotten nearly stabbed. Nearly stabbed. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, one of our listeners, Allison, even pointed out, I mean, th- that whole moment, like, as soon as the guy, like, goes for the knife, like, I immediately started having flashbacks to the Grant situation. I was just like, oh my god, not again. Like, please. Yeah. Which I didn't think they were going to go as so far as to get him stabbed just, like, in a random episode. Like, I I mean, but granted, they got, also, Otis got shot in a random episode. So, I guess I can't really take that with a grain of salt anymore. But, right. yeah, I was just, like, I didn't really think they were going to do it. But for that moment, I was, like, oh, dear God, just stop. I was, like, leave everyone alone. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Just, like, know. leave all of my babies alone. But I really... I, there was a lot of things I really liked about this episode. I mean, Jean and I were talking about too, and she put it in our outline. Like Stella went all Gabby Dawson, which is what we, you know, just I call it investigator says, which I like a little bit more. But Stella definitely went all Gabby Dawson because I mean, she did not. As soon as she got that gut feeling, she went with it and did not stop until justice was served. Yeah, and that is yeah. very Gabby Dawson. But I, I loved like Severide in this episode. I mean, Gina pointed it out to me, and we put it in an outline like. Kelly's just so perfect in this episode in terms of, like, supporting and respecting the women around him. It's just, like, he just did such a great job with it. He just handled the situation. Like, he didn't take over the situation, which I really respect and appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he did a good job. Even just, like, from the very beginning of um, when Stella, you know, is talking to Upton about it. And immediately Severide is, like, her instincts, right? Like, tr- you know, believe her. If she has a gut feeling, then, you know, trust that. Um, just right from the get-go was supportive, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I mean, Gina pointed out, you know, like, even just the small act of him referring to Upton as detective and, like, having that respect for her. Mm-hmm. and not. To, I mean, like, I don't think they're also as close, which is probably why he didn't feel like he could call her Upton. Because I don't 
feel I don't get the sense that they're that close compared to him with like some of the other people in intelligence so that's probably why he called her detective but like just the fact that he even had the respect to like refer to her as detective on the phone with her or whatever the scene was like that was like a really like cool moment and then even at the end when she Upton comes back into Molly's to like buy them drinks and Upton says like something along the lines like you guys did great or whatever she says and he was like it was all Stella um Mm -hmm. That's just, like, you know, and then they have that moment, and it's just, like, oh, my God, just, like, go make up and make out already. And the way that he looks at her, I mean, I, that, that was everything. I mean, just, this, just the way that he looked at her. I know, and it's clear, I mean, I think it makes, like, this episode makes it very clear, like, he's very much ready to jump back in to their relationship, or, like, be back with her for good. But I don't know, do you think she's ready? No, and I think, look, I I would like to see them get back together, but I would not like to see them get back together yet, because I think she should take a minute. What do you think? Well, okay, so two things. One, is she still technically dating that guy that, Great she, question. Rescued, <laughs> that she rescued in whatever fire that was and then she like started going on dates with immediately i i'd assume yes i mean we haven't heard anything else so like i don't know but they all i don't know so that first hesitancy is is she actually in a relationship and or is she not second of all i i definitely agree i think she needs to take a little bit more time to figure out i mean obviously she i think there's no doubt in my mind that she wants to be with him but like he has a lot to work – he had a lot to work on himself, and I think she started to see a little bit of that, but I think she needs to know that, like, once they get back together, that that's going to change. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's one thing to do it for yourself. That's great, and I think she sees that he's done that, but it's another thing to be like, hey, how are you going to apply the change that you've made to yourself to our relationship? And I think that's where I would hope her hesitancy lies. Because we all know Severide's track record with relationships, and it's not great. I know. I know. I wish, and I really hate that they split them up at all. I mean, I was really rooting for them to just have a nice, you know, long run, and it be... I mean, that's also not TV, but you know what I mean. Right. Well, I Um, was just hoping that... Because, I mean, we talked about it a lot. You know, it's like the circle of Severide. You know, like, he's with a woman. He, like, goes into a deep, dark spiral. He breaks up with a woman. It's like, there's just, like, a clear circle with Severide and his relationships. It's gone on and on seasons. And it looked like he had broken that for a little bit with Stella. But then, and so I thought when Benny died that he was going to go into a deep, dark place. Which, I mean, of course, I figured that. But, like, I thought it was going to be Stella that was going to be able to, like, stick with him through all of that and, like, be able to one that, like, finally weathered it and that they could get through it together. But it was just not in the cards. Yeah. Which I respect because, you know, she deserves more than what he was putting her through. But at the same time, like, I kind of thought she would be the one to, like, weather that with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, ag- again, as much as I wanted to see those two together, I don't remember exactly the episode or how this all played out anymore. It's all a little fuzzy, but th- yeah. But but when she, I mean, she said she wasn't going to be that girl, you know? I mean, she stuck up for herself, and I thought, yes, that's, this is why I love her. 
Um, and it was perfect. I mean, that's exactly what she needed to do and good for her. Um, do you I, think they'll get back together? But I mean, I guess obviously it depends on whether Stella is in her relationship or not. But if she is single, like, would you, do you think they would maybe have them try to get back together by the end? Because after this episode, we only have five more episodes left in the season. So... <sighs> Like, kind of starting to, like, wind towards, like, where we're going for the finales. Okay. Do I think they're going to? Yes. Do I think they should? No. No. Not yet. Not yet is my answer. We know we have another season coming, so. so right. I think in my nice ideal plan. world, they would, like, have, like, a moment in the finale, like a kiss or something, and then, sure. like, not, like, to, you know, tie viewers over, like, all summer and, like, be like, look, we're, like, kind of getting them back together. And then, like, have them talk about it and, like, get back together in, like, early season eight. Like, that would be, like, my ideal thing. That's perfect. Because, like, you get, like, the best of both worlds. Like, they didn't rush to get back together in a full relationship in the next five episodes. But it gave us something to know that, like, that's where they're going. Um, but I don't know if they'll do that or not. We'll see. But that's, like, my ideal vision of, like, yes. what happens with them. Well, I like your ideal vision. Let's go with that. that Let's go with like that. It. We'll like just it. push that into the universe. <laughs> we'll just, like, manifest that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And so, I mean, like I said, this was definitely by far the thing people wanted us to talk about the most. Like, we put it on Twitter. Gina was like, what do you guys want us to see us talk about? And, like, I think, like, five or six comments were like, Stellaride, talk about Stellaride. Which, again... Clearly, we love this up. We love this part. I they they they're just so great. They're just they're so great. And yeah, so let's move on and talk about the last little bit, which is Cindy in this interior design storyline. I feel like I need to preface this by saying so. Two weeks ago now, yeah, two weeks ago when we were doing a hiatus episode, and Derek suggested his favorite comedic storylines on Chicago Fire we asked him for his and he you know he listed off a couple classics and then he said one of his favorites was this storyline coming up this Cindy interior design in 717 so it was like oh I so I think I maybe had a little bit of high expectations I was like oh it's one of Derek's favorites this is going to be great like you know all the other ones Derek listed on his list of favorites of all time were my favorites of all time so like clearly we're on some sort of similar page I really don't, I really did not like this that much. Nope. Me neither. I thought it came off as just, like, awkward. Very. It was just, like, weird. But anyway, let's let's dive right in. So, basically, now that the kids are, all of Herman's kids are old enough to, like, be in school somewhat on a regular basis, Cindy decides, you know, she wants to go back into interior design, and she's going to start with the common room of the firehouse. And I was like, great. Like, I was, at that point, I was like, great. Off to a good start. I'm okay with this. And so Cindy asks everyone for their different ideas about the room and what needs to be done. And, you know, they're all, like, they show this really cool scene of, like, them sitting down with her, like, one-on-one and, like, going through the things that they think they need to be changed. And, of course, like, everyone contradicts each other. Like, Mouch is like, nope, can't touch the couch. And someone else is like, nope, you got the couch, has got to go. And, you know... Foster's like, well, it feels like a boys club and it feels like it's from the 80s. And Brett, you know, is in her like mood and she's like, I want to help. Like, I got, like, I need to do something. I, I want to help. I was like, this is really great. 
But of course, they're all really skeptical when Cindy tells them that this makeover has been pitched to a local Chicago magazine and that the shoot's going to happen during the next shift. So it all has to come together very quick. And then we see next shift come and Cindy presents them with her new makeover. And it's this completely like Asian theme with, you know, there's a gong in there and they've gotten rid of the TV and they have, you know, just like Chinese symbols. And it's just like, I don't even know what to call it. Like, it's just not what I imagined. And I, obviously not what they imagined. And it's just like, it's just so bad. <laughs> it was surprising to me. Uh, what did they say? It was a statement. Oh, it was a statement. All right. Um, it was definitely a statement. Yeah. And so basically they all look, everyone looks at Herman's like, dude, you got to tell her to change it back. Like we can't live like this. And so Herman ends up breaking the news to his wife that nobody likes it. And he even, I mean, he goes so far as to call it some Salvador Dali nightmare. I, I cannot. Did this feel out of place to you? I don't know. Herman Herman was mean to her. Like, this was mean. Yeah, it was just... I mean, Herman's always obviously been a very brash character and just kind of says what's on his mind and, like, doesn't really have a filter of any kind. So I was like, okay. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, that's not really that cool. And then no. especially as it turns out, you know, because she only did the room that way for the magazine and then was going to put it all back. It's just like a way to like show, Oh look, I can do it in the magazine. And she wasn't going to actually leave it like that. And she told him at this much, like last week or whatever she says, she's like, clearly you just weren't listening. And it's just like, Herman, like, come on. Like you just not only, I mean, you threw yourself under the bus because it shows you aren't listening to Cindy all the time and like actually hearing what she has to say. But like, you also just critiqued what she wants to get back into doing. And it's just like, oh, God. It was, just, it was, not, per- it was not good. And he says to her that, that uh, this is not an exact quote, but he says, you don't got it. You know, like, you can't do this. You're not good at this. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Is that really what you said? That's horrible. Horrible. Right. And because this kind of happened, that the confrontation part kind of happened at the end of the episode, like... I mean, I'm sure Cindy, like, put him on the couch that night or, like, for the least for the next couple of nights. Like, I'm sure she wasn't okay with that at home. And I'm just, like, I mean, I love Cindy and Herman together, but that was just not cool. No. And the whole thing was strange to me. I mean, it it seems like everybody would have just been – did she not tell everyone? Why wouldn't she tell everyone it was going to be temporary? That confused me, too. Um I don't know. I don't know. And it was strange, even for a magazine. Really? Right. And especially, I think the thing that also kind of threw me off was that, so they went with this, like, Asian theme or whatever. But then, how is this going to end up in the magazine? Like, because to me, I would put a makeover, and maybe this is me being too practical for television, but, like, I would have put a... If they were going to do a makeover at a firehouse, I would have wanted to see something that, like, still looked like it could have been used in a firehouse. Well, right. That's what was weird about it. And that's and that's the problem with, I mean, was it a pretty room? Just, like, in general? I, I think it was, you know? Yeah, and, I, mean, I guess. But not for a firehouse, right? Like, right. like, the, thi- like the, the weird couch was pretty. 
not for a firehouse. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it wasn't practical and it didn't make sense for the space. Right. And so then it just looked off. And so when, like, I felt the same way they probably all, I mean, they all did, like, walking into that room. I looked at it and I was like, what the hell? I was like, this just looks, right. it just looks weird in that space. Right. And so, like, for the fact that it was going to end up in a magazine, I was like, like, it just literally doesn't make sense. And the whole thing, I don't know. I, at first, I thought it was sweet because Herman is being supportive and he's like, hey, everybody get on board. Cindy's going to do this thing in the firehouse and that's nice of him to, you know, be supportive and, and, and all of that. And, and for all of them to kind of, you know, go with it, too. Right. Frankly, and frankly. They, they all, I mean, they all usually are. Like, Cindy comes by and they all give her hugs and kisses and whatever. And so, I mean, they all love Cindy, so I'm sure they would have been glad to do it anyway, but... Yeah, but I guess I guess as we're talking about it, and I, I honestly I hadn't thought about this before now. Um, why didn't she tell everyone it was temporary? I I feel like I'm, I'm baffled by that. I wonder if it's because she thought Herman was listening, and that Herman would have just mentioned like when he said, "Hey, is it okay if Cindy does it?" Like it's just going to be temporary. Maybe she thought Herman had already done it himself. But then again, like, why wouldn't she, when she came by and was, like, asking everyone for their opinions, like, why should, wouldn't she just, like, reinforce the idea? That's what I'm hung up on is because they're talking about all these different things. But then it's also, like, if it's, I'm just thinking about this now, like, then again, if it's temporary, then why did she need to ask opinions? If it's just going to go back to the way it was, like, what's the whole point? Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just. And it ends being like I, I mean I get that it's supposed to be like the comedic storyline and I think the only part that even like came off like slightly comedic was the interview part like where she's sitting down with them one on one and that wasn't still like that's nowhere near their funniest thing but that was like the funniest part of it. Yeah, I mean it just it, the whole thing felt strange to me. I yeah, not a fan. Yeah, and so one of our listeners, Allison, said something similar. She said, you know, the interviews were really, with everyone were really funny, but otherwise I didn't get the Cindy storyline. Like, there was a lot of build-up to the design, and that was totally impractical and apparently temporarily. Not sure it needed to be that big of a story unless they were trying to set up issues between Cindy and Herman, which would obviously be very sad. Also, what was their recent... Um, Herman... Oh, it was it was when... Um, that teenager, uh, Herman was worried about his son driving. Do you remember remember? this one? This one, and she put him on the couch because he he flipped out. They already so they already set up some tension there. Well, I hope that's not true. I hope it's not true. Cindy and Herman are like goals on this show. Like they're like the best. I know, but that but that's that's curious that that's the second. Yeah, in like within, I'd say, because what wasn't that storyline like in 2019? Like that storyline was like even like recently ish. Yeah, it's it's only been a few. I mean, I'm thrown off because we were off for a couple weeks. Yeah, you know, recently, but it was definitely but, like but. this calendar year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's definitely something to like. I, I mean, again, we only have five more episodes to the finale, so I feel like maybe it might be a little too much to kind of like ramp it up now but like they definitely could be which again yeah. I hope not because that would make me really sad same because I love Cynthia I just and I typically love and I think the other thing that really disappointed me too was again like Derek kind of hyped it up so I was I think maybe going in with 
into it with like a little bit too many expectations. But like, I typically love when Cindy's around. And I just didn't get the same, like she didn't really do anything for me this episode. And I think that's honestly like the first time she's never really done something for me in an episode. And so that was just kind of like also a letdown. Yeah. No, I will say this. I mean, compared to what was going on with Stella and Severide, like that was so impactful that this I don't think needed to be. But I also, and this is my problem with Fire just in general. And I love this show. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, it's one of my favorite shows. Obviously, I write about it every week and everything. Like, but one of the things that I always say is, I wish sometimes it would just slow down and it's just what we were talking about at the beginning, right, with with Casey. If they had just cut this entire piece and focused on what's going on with Casey and Herman and what's going on with Stella and Severide, they could have dug into the Stella and Severide and the whole investigation. They could have done that more. They could have done the Casey and Herman stuff more and then it might not have had that forced feeling that what's going on here you know, making space for this. And and one of the things I like about fire is that it does that balance of the light and the heavy. Yeah. But sometimes I think it happens to a fault. And this is one of those times. No, I definitely agree. I feel like very rarely, I think the last time instance of it, we could see, like they very rarely just focus on like two things. Like I feel like they're always like three things. It's like, Two main storylines and then, like, the comedic underbelly. But very rarely, I mean, the last instance I can remember was the Galentine's Day episode where it was, like, the girls were one section and then the guys back in the house were the other. And that was, like, the two sections and that was it. But, like, I feel like it's okay sometimes. I mean, yes, Fire does comedy and it does it very well. I mean, like we just said, we literally just did an entire episode on, like, the best comedy stuff on fire because they do do it so well but there are it is okay to have moments where like comedy is not there like I mean this this show is technically a drama like it's okay to not have a little comedy every now and then they don't have to do it in every episode and I think that's maybe that's my problem is some episodes warrant it and some some maybe don't I mean wouldn't this episode have been so much stronger if it had just focused on the two storylines and cut this yeah. part all together. Right. And I think especially, too, I think if we look back and they do end up going towards the Cindy and Herman stuff, like, and have them having problems, okay, fine. Like, I can see why they needed to plant seeds. Like, okay, fine. I get that. But if we don't get any kind of payoff from this, to, for lack of a better word, then it's really going to feel like, uh, I'm, it's really going to feel like, man, I really wish that hadn't been there. We had just focused on, like, the two main storylines. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah. And then, last but not least, we threw this in here just because someone asked us about it. And even though it really doesn't have, like, ton to do with the episode. So, someone just said, like, what would be your thoughts on, like, a Haley-Kelly or an Upton-Kelly pairing if they were to ever do it? Like, if... Stellaride wasn't a thing, and, like, Upstick, Upstin's all her romantic mess on PD, like, wasn't a thing, like, would you ship it? And my first gut reaction was just, like, no, just because, like, this is, I honestly think it's the first moment we've ever seen them interact, like, ever. Like, I don't even think I could think about it. I mean, I guess maybe if I really thought about it, uh, still, honestly, no. (laughs) 
I would have to take away everything that I know already. Does that make sense? Like, I, I would have to meet them in a bubble. Because I, I would have to take away, like, in the current state, the answer is no because of Stella. Um, also, in the current state, the answer is no because we've seen him cross over to PD with a relationship once already. Right. And so immediately I'm like, no, 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 no. But if I get rid of everything else that I know, like if I just meet them in a bubble, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. (laughs) My gut almost says, yeah, but I would have to take away all of that other stuff. Right. I still, I don't know. I think for me, it's just so hard to imagine them. Even like if you take everything away and you just meet them in a bubble, just because we don't know what that looks like. Like this, like I said, this, I think this is the first scene. I mean, and Upton's been around for like almost two full seasons at this point. I think this is maybe the first time we've really seen them interact at all. I mean, maybe besides like a crossover, but like, I think that's the first time we've really seen them interact. So like, A, obviously I'm thinking about, you know, Stellaride. I'm thinking about like Upton and her romantic triangle, quadrangle, whatever we're calling that mess. Um, but, like, even if I'm talking about the bubble, like, I just can't even picture them together because, like, they've literally not even shared the same, like, space more than, like, mm-hmm. once or twice. So it's just so hard for me to imagine. What I'm imagining is coming from their individual personalities. Right. And, and I could, I could see it, but, but again, I, but I can't because right. of everything else. But if, 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 if it weren't for the fact that he's already been in a relationship with somebody on PD, if it weren't for the fact that Stella was in the picture. Right. I mean, I wish you guys could see my wheel, my, like, my wheels are actually turning as I'm thinking about it. But if you take away all of that stuff, just their personalities, I could, I could see it. I could see it. But you have to take away all the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, I mean, obviously, they're not never gonna go there just because I think they're pretty secure in like the Stellaride world, whether they're together or not. But like Stellaride be Stella being Kelly's person, and then God knows what's happening with Haley's mess. Who knows mm-hmm. um, whether she'll actually be with Jay or and dump Ruzik, which I think everyone agrees that she should. Um, but who knows? But yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned that question was from Haley. I don't, I really don't know if I mentioned that, but if I did, if I did not, that question was from Haley. But yeah, I think, Ashley, do you have any other thoughts about fire? You know what? I have one more. Um, just the last little thing. It made me so happy to see Cruz and Otis like trying to cheer up. Yes, I love that. I think I just didn't put that in here just because I mean, you know, that was kind of it. I mean, there wasn't like a storyline set around it, but yes, I, I love that they. I mean, a, I mean, I kind of love that they all live together, just and you know that they're still living together, even though Cruz and Otis both have serious girlfriends at this point. But yeah, just the fact that they were just like, you know what, fuck it, like Brett needs cheering up. She's gotten her heart broken. Like we're gonna take it upon ourselves to do it. Yeah, it was just really, it was really sweet, and I, I really liked that moment. I like, I like seeing those, those three as friends together like that. And that's the kind of 
had a moment too, again, going back to our like, you know, it's okay to not have like, you know, comedy storylines and to actually focus on character development. Like that was a scene. It wasn't even a storyline. That was a scene that gave us what we wanted. That like A showed us that Brett is still hurting and that, you know, she's still dealing with her breakup. B that their friendship between the three of them is still intact. And B that it's like not just living in a bubble and they're just not like roommates because they're roommates and that's it. Like it gave us what we needed in one scene and I was like, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I got the development and the move, like the growth moving forward and I was like, I'm good. Yep. That's it. Absolutely. Perfect. Fantastic. Yep. yep. Right. And it just took one scene. And so, yeah, that's a great, now that, now that I'm like actually thinking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a great scene that gave me what I wanted. I was satisfied. What a lovely example. And yeah. I won't be wondering the next time, like, because who knows, like, they might bring up Brett dealing with her breakup next episode, or it could be, like, two or three episodes from now before they bring it up again. But it won't have left me wondering, like, how was Brett dealing with it this whole time? Because I'll have some idea of, like, she, no, she was heartbroken. Like, she didn't want to get out of bed for, to go to work. Because she was so upset by this breakup. Yeah, it was just enough of a detail. Just enough. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool. I'm glad, glad we talked about that. that. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I didn't like, it wasn't a storyline really, so I didn't really put it in there, but I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me like, this week. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. Thanks for having me again. Um, so why don't you plug your social media, all your stuff and where people can read your recaps, all that jazz. Okay, um, so Twitter, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ashley B. Summerall, um, and I run TelltaleTV.com, and you can follow that website. It's uh, at TelltaleTV underscore. The underscore is important, so make sure that you, you know, look do that. Yeah. Um, and then the website is TelltaleTV.com, and I review Chicago Fire every week. Um, I try to put up previews every week, also, most weeks, anyway. Um, and uh, other shows, too, but as far as Chicago Fire is concerned, um, I do focus a lot on that for the site, so you should check it out. And um, I wrote a lot of my thoughts on my review this week that you just listened we to. We'll so. we share that on Twitter. I don't know if we did just with traveling, but I know we try to share your reviews as much as possible. Don't you guys have someone who covers med too, I think? We do, yes. Uh, Brianna Martinez covers Chicago Med for the site as well. So, uh, and her Twitter, I'm going to just throw her Twitter out there. Is it when? I know, like, I've read her some of her reviews. I try to read them when I yeah. can. Yeah. Um, at when watching TV is Brianna. Um, and she does the same thing. She tries to get, uh, previews up for med as well as, uh, as reviews every week. So check her out also. So yeah. So the last segment is PD and we'll just go right into that. Okay guys. And for our last segment, um, talking about this week's episode of PD, we have our always active listener, Vicky. Vicky, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm. We've been wanting to have you on for so long, and I'm so glad you're finally here. I hate Gina that Gina's not here, but I'm glad we're finally going to be able to talk about PD because I know you always have a lot of interesting theories and thoughts on Twitter. So I'm glad you're here to actually talk about it with us. So we're going to start though talking about the PD news. Not a lot on the PD front. 
Marina was on Rachel Ray. Um, I know she filmed it when she was on her New York press wing, but it finally aired sometime this week. I don't know what day it was. I don't really watch daytime TV. It was Monday. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Not a lot. I mean, no, nothing really newsworthy from it. I mean, she talked about, you know, how she yeah, was a she- paralegal until, you know, for the first year of the show and uh, her, her stunt work. That was like about it. Um, but I do like that she's getting to actually do some press. Like, that's always nice to see. Yeah, it's exciting just to see anyone do press from PD because it's kind of been, like, a desert. Yeah, for sure. And especially to do, like, national press, not just, like, I mean, obviously, we love when they come on, like, our level of outlets because, like, it's great and we can actually have, like, nuanced conversations, but to see them doing, like, national press, like, that's really exciting. So... Yeah. But yeah, I think that was it for PD this week because we didn't get any new episode descriptions. Unless I missed something. Vicky, did you see anything from the PD no, world this week? I, um, wait, Marina did do an interview. It was like some magazine, like Imagine, I think it was called Imagine Mista. Huh. I missed that. But it wasn't really anything like, nothing, she didn't like spoil anything or. She basically talked about a lot of the same stuff she talked about on Rachel Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, at this point, I mean, we're six seasons in. Like, I kind of wish they would talk about something else, like, a little more current. But, I like, I get it, too, on the same hand. But, anyway. So, yeah. That's it for the PD news. Um, but, yeah. So, let's just jump right in and talk about this week's episode. Which, there's a lot going on this week. Um, Vicky, just why don't we start with what were your overall thoughts on this week's episode? You know what, I thought it was really interesting, kind of what tied into, in my opinion, the biggest story here in Chicago is the Jesse Smollett um, situation and kind of how police and the prosecutor's office are sometimes on completely different pages, and I thought it kind of tied into that. That's an interesting way. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, obviously, I've been paying attention to the Jesse Smollett case, but I haven't thought about, like, the ties before now. That's interesting. Um, But, yeah, this week there was a lot going on. So let's just – we'll start right in the beginning. So basically the mayoral race is heating up, and Price is speaking at some future Chicago event, and it goes seemingly well. The crowd seems to respond well, you know, whatever. And he walks outside, and almost immediately as soon as he walks outside, he's casually shot by a sniper. Just, you know, casual. Um, And, of course, it's, like, ironically, too. Like, he makes a reference in his speech at this Future of Chicago event, like, about, like, to a bullet and, like, Kelton bleeding out during this race and whatever. And then, of course, he, like, walks outside and gets shot himself. It's like, okay, casual. Um. But, yeah, it's also too funny, too, because, like, obviously it was in the episode description, so we all knew it was coming if you read episode descriptions. But it's just, like, still, like, it never ceases to amaze me how just, like, shooting someone who's, like, a recurring, like, a major part of the storyline, like, recurring character over a couple seasons, like, just casually get shot like that. Like, it never ceases to amaze me with this show. Um, But, yeah, so basically then, of course, you know, he gets taken to med getting taken care of, whatever. So Intelligence starts questioning his wife, who, of course, points fingers immediately at Kelton. Um, But 
as intelligence comes to find out, there's a police report from a week earlier that said Price had been seen in a violent argument with another man who threatened to kill Price uh, during that conversation. But I think it was interesting, too, because I know when Deadline originally reported that we were going to meet Nikki Michaud's, I'm, I know I'm butchering her last name, um, character, she had been reported to be Price's daughter, but then she shows up and it's her wife. So I wonder, if, I'm assuming that was just obviously a misreporting, but that makes so much more sense now than her trying to play his daughter. I think because they announced, I think they announced the daughter and the wife within like a day of each other. I think some wires got crossed. Yeah. Well, that, like I said, it just makes so much more sense. Cause like as someone who like know of Nikki before this, I was like, there's no way, like just, I mean, she's a great actress, but like she's very close in age. Like I was like, there's no way they can actually make that work. Like that makes no sense. Um, but we do also get to meet Price's daughter, Jasmine, who was there for this violent argument that Price had and basically corroborated it and said, you know, the same thing, similar things that, you know, this man was threatening her dad and that's where we are. Um, so, and of course, if, like, Price is revealed, like, literally, like, a few scenes later to be very stable early on, so that ended up being, like, very anticlimactic. She's like, of course. Like, I kind of figured they were going to try to, like, it'd be, like, one of those, like, end of episode reveals, and, like, Price is going to be okay. Like, I knew he was going to be okay. Like, he, they still have to finish out the mayoral race. Like, I knew he was going to be okay. They weren't going to just, like, kill him. But I was like, come on. Like, within the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, really? Like, this is what we're going to do? Okay, cool. Um, but, yeah. So, then Price admits that the man who, you know, they talk to Price and he admits that the man who he was seen arguing with is this guy named Michael Rankin who basically had gotten screwed in a real estate deal and expected Price to, like, make him whole again and, like, figure it all out. And his car was spotted at the scene of the rally, but it turns out he was just a bystander. Because, of course, it's never the first guy that intelligence thinks it's going to be. So... Jay and Upton get details on the suspect when they found who, like, they found where the shot, he had taken the shot from, and so they were able from that to get some details, and they end up being able to trace his movements and find out that it was actually Voight, not Price, who was the shooter, who the shooter was following and trying to kill. I did not see that coming at all. I don't know about you, Vicky, but I did not yeah, see that I, twist coming at I all. I didn't think that was going to be the plot twist at all. Yeah, I liked it, though. I thought that was, like, one of their best, like, mid-episode plot twists. Like, minor ones, of course, but, like, mid-episode plot because twists that they had done in a while. At yeah, it was not predictable. Like I said, I mean, especially from the episode description, because we knew Price was the one that was going to get shot, I was like, oh, this is a Price episode. They're focusing on the mayoral race. Like, of course, like, it's going to have to maybe tie into Kelton. Like, that makes sense. But for them to, like, twist and be like, no, it's Void. And I was like, ooh, that's a good twist. Um... But yeah, so they end up being able, like I said, they find out that Voight was the target, not Price. And so Antonio continues to track the car, and he tracks the car to a retired prison guard named Melvin Barnes's house. And they figure out that he was also probably somehow involved. But of course, once they get there, as is typical of intelligence things, he is, of course, murdered before they can get there. And so they don't save his life. And they do some more digging, and they find out that 
this car was also in the vicinity of a third victim, and that third victim was a judge. And they are able to at least get to him before he dies. He was shot, but they are able to get to him before he dies. As it turns out, Voight knew him, or at least was familiar with him. And not like that they were close friends or anything, but they were at least familiar with him. And so then Atwater and Rusick do a little more digging and they look into who the right like who the rifle belonged to. And as it turns out, they it was stolen, but they have and they have video surveillance to back that up. And the guy that intelligence ends up arresting is this kid named Darius Tatum. And as it turns out, Voight had arrested Darius when he was 17 and he was involved in an armed robbery. But Voight said they'd cut him a deal if he, you know, cooperated with a few other cases, which he totally did. But instead, once he goes into the juvenile system, he ends up getting screwed because he didn't, you know, didn't get whatever the details of the deal that were promised to him. And so he was in the system for, I think, what, like 10 more years, something like that. Yeah, I think it was something around that. Yeah. So, I mean, now he obviously clearly holds a grudge. And, of course, also, as it turns out, the owner of the rifle actually knew Darius, and he's the one who taught him how to shoot because Darius wanted to join the army. But, of course, the army rejected him because of the criminal record, and the guy, Drew, um, hadn't seen him since Darius stole the rifle. And it's just like... I feel like that's always just the intelligence way. It's like, it's never just like one thing. It's like, oh, this guy ties to this guy and that's just the intelligence way. But, so intelligence goes and visits Darius's mom and they're able to find out that he's targeting a fourth guy as well. And that fourth guy ends up being the man who supervised him while he was in the juvenile facility. Um, And as it turns out, Darius, when... Once the, once intelligence gets there, they find out that Darius missed his intended target, this guy, and ends up taking hostages instead. So Voight pulls a very Voight thing. Voight's like, leave it to me, guys. I got this. Uh, give me five minutes. I can make sure no one gets more hurt. And he... Kelton's like, no. Like, like that's a... No, no, no. We're not doing that. And Voight's like, nope, I got this. And Kelton's like, okay, fine. Five minutes. Whatever. So he ends up getting five minutes with him and Darius goes on this rant about, you know, all the grief he suffered and, you know, because of the supervisor in the juvenile hall telling everyone he was a snitch. So he got a lot of shit, just not from the supervisor himself, but from everyone around him. Um, And boy, throughout this whole thing, he's trying to position himself in the window so that he can keep Darius away because if he, Darius goes one, like, inch into the vision of the SWAT cops that are outside, then he's going to die. But Darius, no matter how hard Voight tried, Darius ultimately panics and puts himself into plain sight of the SWAT cops. And he ends up dying. And that's kind of the, at least the basis of this episode. So I'm curious, thinking like just again, like I know you were talking about obviously that, you thought, like, once you started thinking about it more, like, you thought about it, how it tied to the Smollett case and stuff like that. But just in terms yeah, of, like, how- PD and stuff, like, and where we're at in the season with only, like, five more episodes left after this one to go, like, what did you think about this episode? I thought it was an interesting episode, learning more about, kind of, Voight's backstory, because it is 
very layered. Yeah. We don't know. Like, he's had this, what, like, 30-year career, and all we really know is that he was, like, in the gang unit. So it's interesting for them to build those layers, like, professionally. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too. I think as the mayoral race has started to heat up, I think it's also been really interesting to see, to dive a little more into Voight, because for the first half of the season, they kind of let, like, Voight wasn't really the focus of any of the episodes. Like, you got, you know, you would get your... J episode or your Atwater episode or your Upton episode or your music or whatever like everyone else's characters but Void had got a kind of gotten pushed to the side a little bit so I I mean as Void's never been my favorite character per se but he does like you said he has a really interesting and complex backstory and so I've kind of liked going back to like a little more Void focused episodes and like have him be like kind of the main tie to the mayoral race and like go back into that a little bit more yeah um it's been really interesting but um also we also I forgot we have to talk about the Burgess and Blair stuff which I feel like was what everyone was like even though it was like one scene and a half like that's what we got like a lot of comments on and people wanted us to talk about too so I mean really like I said it's like a scene and a half ish like it's nothing but basically the episode starts and Blair and Burgess are hanging out after Burgess goes and gets some food, I mean, Blair's, like, they they eat this, I don't even know what it is, a breakfast sandwich, it's whatever a, it was. Uh, a chop sandwich, I can't say I've ever had one, so I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Blair thinks it's good, but, like, whatever it is, that they eat that. Blair's phone goes off, and basically he has to leave because Kelton wants to see him. And Burgess says, she's like, I think I've earned the right to ask, like, why is a black man working so hard to make a white cop the next mayor? And he's, like, easy economic reasons. Like, the white cop's paying me. And, like, that's that scene. That's it. And then he, they say, like, after the judge gets shot, like, Burgess sees Blair standing next to Kelton while he's making some statement and, like, goes over to talk to him. But, like, we don't see that combo. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's another one of the famous cut scenes. It, well, like, I was watching it back today. And, like, it has to be. Like, the way they transition... Like, it's gotta be, like, somewhere on a cutting room floor. But, like, looking back on it, like, I didn't notice, like, how kind of awkward of a transition it is, like, before. But, like, she says, like, she's like, I'm gonna go see if he knows anything. And then it cuts to, like, a scene of them in the bullpen or whatever. And, like, nobody ever brings it up since. It's not, like, even a line, like, oh, your friend didn't have any information. Or, like, Burgess being, like, I talked to someone who knows and, like, he doesn't know anything. Like, it's just, like, a weird transition. So I feel like it's gotta be a deleted scene somewhere. But I'm curious, like, as someone who I, I mean, like, your handle on Twitter is Burgess.Ruzik, is that right? I think that's Burgess. Yeah. yeah Burgess.Ruzik. So, like, as someone who's obviously a very big proponent of Burzik, like, what have you thought about, like, the Burgess Blair? I mean, we've barely gotten to see it, and I know I, it's coming to a head soon, but, like, what have you thought about it so far? I don't hate it. It's... I definitely have different feelings than I have about Upset. We'll talk about that in a second. I want to get your thoughts on that, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's so I think far... For right now, it's, it's interesting, and it's... I mean, they got an amazing actor to play Blair. Yes. I, just, I think it's fun for right now, but the second it started, you know it's gonna... And badly. Yeah. I think in terms of, like, 
trying to give Burgess another relationship that's not in intelligence. I think this one so far has going over much more, much better than the Matt Miller one, because at least we're getting to see some scenes of them together, even though it's usually like very brief. Like there is at least some sort of lead up to their like ultimate destruction. Um, Like there's at least something. And like you said, I mean, they got Charles Michael Davies to play Blair and I freaking love Charles Michael Davies. Um, Like he's a, like you said, incredible actor. But it's just, I mean, I think it's in next week's, next week's episode or the week episode after that. I don't know which week. It's in an episode coming up where it's like Burgess evaluates her future with Blair. And like, we yeah. all know that means it's going to like not end well. I think that's the episode description for next week. Yeah. But Marina mentioned during one of her interviews that someone close to her dies. And I know a lot of people have made the assumption that it's Blair. Whoa, I missed that somewhere. She said in one of her interviews, someone dies or close to her she dies. Said, she, it was like someone close to me died. It was a question about what her badge number was. And she had to, they were like quizzing her. And she's like, oh, I had to read it off recently because someone close to me dies. And I had to like. Interesting. So I, so I don't know if they were referring to like when Lexi died and they found her body. Right. Because she, I think she might have been right there, or if it's someone like Blair. Interesting. I, that would make sense. Though. I mean, obviously you hate to see just, like, random characters die for whatever reason it's going to be, but that would make sense, though. Because um, I know, do you happen to know, I know she was talking about in her AOL build episode that, like, she had a big episode coming up, like, when she got back from that trip to New York. Do you know if that's, this week's episode or like episode yeah. 18 or is that like another yes. episode i think it's episode 19 which i don't i would say probably airs like end of april i'm guesstimating at the schedule at this point so yeah well i know i was looking today like i know they're airing reruns again on the 10th um so I would assume it's the week after that. I just didn't know if this Marina episode, like, next week, is, like, the one she was referring to with, like, the Berzik stuff, or if that was, like, another episode. Yeah, I think that was filmed, like, right before she left. Gotcha. So 19 would be what she was referring to. Gotcha. Okay. But, yeah, it it'll be interesting. But I'm curious, so... We had gotten a question from Haley who just wanted us to talk about the, like, tiny, tiny bit of Berzik we got and, like, how or if we think Ruzik plays into her relationship with Blair. So, like, kind of delving into, like, maybe what that episode that Marina was teasing may be. Like, do you think Ruzik's going to play into this relationship with Blair and, like, how that's going to all happen or what that scene that she was referencing might be? Or what do you think about all of that? Well, I'm not sure because I have no idea if Blair's going to make it out right. alive of, like, episode. So if if it is Blair that dies in 18, then I could see him being jealous because that's kind of how they've played the character since, like, season three. I think during the Broman stuff, they made reference that Ruzik gets kind of jealous, so... But does he have the right to be jealous? Not really. 
Yeah. No, not at all. I was just curious because, like, I know we were talking about it once we were, when we were talking about Marina's AOL build, that, you know, the way she talked about whatever that scene with Ruzik or whatever that thing, scene or scenes with Ruzik that she was referencing, like, it was, like, kind of made it seem like she was talking about them getting, like, closure, which I was, like, I don't know where that would come from. Like, I was just curious if you had thought about, like, what Marina said in that AOL build interview and, like, what they were going to do with Berzik. Since we know Berzik, we're actually getting Berzik of some sort, whether it's good or bad. We know we're actually getting something. I know it's, like, some kind of scene in the bullpen. Yeah. So that's pretty much... So it can't be that serious of a scene. I mean, it's not, like, a scene of them, like, talking in the locker room. I think... I think for the most part, Berzik's kind of, like, on the back burner for the writers. And they kind of, I don't think they really thought the reaction to this season would be what it has been. You mean the, all the they, negative reaction that the up yeah. six have gotten? Yeah. 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 So I guess, because I do want to, because I know, obviously, that is a thing that, still has yet to resolve itself as of right now they're still together obviously we haven't seen them in a little bit though it feels like what just lay it on me like what are your thoughts on the whole up six situation I know obviously you're a big Berzik fan so you don't like the up six stuff but like what about Uh, it specifically don't you like you know what it wasn't developed at all I mean even as far as like a friendship with Adam and Haley there was no development of that at all like they didn't like each other and then Ed was said that oh well, we established that they were friends, and I think the viewers are smarter than the writers give them credit for. Yeah, I definitely agree with in terms of like developing. I mean, like I was always a proponent like last season when they'd have like one scene. I was like, I think I could I, do with this for like a night, if, like a one night stand. If it was, cool. If it was friends with benefits. For like a handful of episodes, but something that's lasted like twenty episodes, and it's like, oh, I care. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I don't know if she really cares. It was kind of it was a situation where he wasn't doing what she wanted him to do, so then she cared. So it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think for me, it's like, I could have, like I said, I could have dealt with it for like a one night stand, maybe another episode or two, or like, maybe like a small friends with benefits. But like, I think to me, it's just become so clear that like, yeah, I think she cares about Ruzik as a friend, and maybe even like, slightly more than that. But she cares about Jay so much more and like, on such a deeper level. And like, it seems like he or it looked like for a second, I mean, we haven't talked about it in, like, an episode or two, but it looked like for a second maybe he finally started to see that, like, she was feeling something more, and, like, he looked like he was gonna say something in that interrogation room. I forget what episode specifically that was, but it, like, it just, to me, it's become more obvious that, like, she's so, she, like, she maybe likes Adam, but not as much as she likes Jay, so it's, like, why are you stringing Adam along on this, like, maybe we are kind of serious, but we're not really that serious, but everyone thinks we're serious kind of, like, thing, and it's just, like, it doesn't make sense for anybody at this point. Also, the way Tracy plays 
Upton and like the up six scenes. A lot of the times it comes off that Upton hates Adam. Yeah, I can see that. So when you're trying to, if you want people to kind of jump on board, but there's this undertone that she doesn't like him, I think they're all really offended that it kind of got the negative backlash. But the way it's written, I think the writing is the major problem with it. I think I think if it was written differently, if it was there was a buildup, uh, even the tiniest buildup, I think the fan reaction might be slightly different. I don't necessarily think people... I don't think it's going to... It can't last longer than the season. Yeah. Because they are going the upset route. Right. Like, you can tell. Right. I mean, we haven't gotten it in episode two, but like you said, like they are going the upset route at some point. Whether... They actually act on it with, like, a kiss or something in this season or it's, like, early next season. Like, they're going there. And so, like you said, like, I agree. I don't think they can continue with the up six stuff beyond this season. And if they do, like, it's going to be – I'll be curious to see how they do it because I can't imagine them <laughs> going beyond this season with it. But I think with the writing, too, I think one of the things – as much as I love PD, because I do, I still love PD. I'm still really liking the stories they put out. But it is so hard to do a lot of character development because of how much procedural, like, case stuff they have to throw out at us. Which I totally get because that's just the nature of the show. But, like, if you're then going to throw us, like, with these big storylines that you expect us to get involved with, like, you've got to give us some sort of, like, incremental lead up for us to be invested in it. I think they did really good in the earlier season. So I'd say season like one and two where they kind of had that personal element and had the cases. I think the problem is a lot of people compare PD to med and fire. And especially when you're comparing it to fire there, it's a different dynamic. Right. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we were, like, somebody actually, I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but someone just wrote about, like, the, like, examining, like, the way FIRE deals with, like, personal relationships and the way PD does. And, like I said, I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but we'll tweet it out. But I imagine, because we, Gene and I have kind of had these conversations where it's, like, FIRE has a lot more downtime and they're just always together all the time. So it gives you the space a little bit to, like, maneuver with like some personal relationships because just because so much downtime and then you only have to really focus on like cases for the most part for like five minute bursts like once or twice an episode so there's just so much more time to like maneuver the personal stuff we're on pd like there's so much that goes into the cases that it doesn't leave that much time for like the personal stuff at least anymore like i agree with what you said about the earlier seasons but at least anymore like they're structure has changed that like it's so case heavy which is interesting and great on its own but like as someone who does like the personal stuff too it's yeah the balance is hard and it makes me frustrated as a fan who's a fan of character development first and foremost yeah I think they could figure out a way to do it but I don't know if they're gonna figure out a way to do it under the current showrunner right like you know is doing FBI and PD too much for one person? Right. And especially shows that are on not only, I mean, not even in the same universe, but, like, 
Well, first of all, it's two shows. Two shows who, yeah. that are not in the same universe. And then two shows on two different networks. So it's not even like you're doing two shows on NBC. It's like two different, a show on NBC and a show on CBS. Which I don't know if that actually plays a part into it. But I'm sure that has to play some role some into it somehow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if any kind of changes happen now that FBI, like now that he's like, I'm assuming going to be full time for FBI season two. Do you know, is he's not involved in FBI's new like, I don't know spinoff that they're trying to spin off. All I know is Derek is no longer on FBI running FBI with him. So he's just him on FBI. And then yeah, solo runner on FBI and solo runner showrunner on PD. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. I, like I said, it'd be one thing if it was like back when like, you know, Derek was also kind of helming PD a little bit. At least like then they were in the same universe. Like it was still a lot, but like at least it made sense. But this is, it's a lot. I think Olmstead was running PD and Fire for like. At least two seasons. Maybe three. Yeah. I think whenever Derek started showing, Derek and Brand started showing, I think in season four of fire yeah so I, it's just i don't know like three seasons yeah i don't i just i don't know like i'm curious to see like okay so we have and not because these up i mean this episode is obviously done so we have five episodes of pd left including the finale what are you what do you think like do you have any theories about like what might happen going I like have- I was thinking about this the other day. I have no idea what the kind of plan for the rest of the season is. Because we get, like, spoiler-wise, we get just the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even, like, I mean... Rick is available to answer a question from TV line. Yeah. That's essentially all that we get these and that's even weekly used to do like spoiler whatever spoiler room but they don't do that anymore yeah i mean yeah now that you mention it like tv line seems to be giving us like the most like coverage in terms of like a big news outlet with like spoilers and stuff but even then i mean like even this week like today or for this week we talked about it like they gave us two different med related articles but like obviously we, i don't think they've given us a pd thing in like a while but I don't know, Gina and I keep throwing around the fact that, like, PD with their finales have always held this pattern of, like, someone dies, someone leaves the show, dies, leaves the show, dies, leaves the show. Like, so this would technically be a year for going by a pattern where someone, like, leaves the show, quote-unquote. Like, whether they come back or... Well, that would that would be, like, three, <laughs> three main cast members in a row leaving in one way or another. Like... Like, we, like, in season two and season three, they weren't, I mean, Justin and Nadia weren't necessarily, like, regulars. Right. So, I mean, everyone seems to be pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine someone leaving, but, like, if we're technically, I mean, granted, season two's was, like, Erin leaving the unit, and, like, people were like, oh, is she actually going to leave or not? And then she came back, and it was fine. Um... But, like, it, technically there is somewhat of a pattern. So, like, I'd be curious to see if that follows or if they, like, break it off. I mean, and, like, in terms of, like, what happens with the mayoral race, like, 
who the fuck knows? Like, are we trying? <laughs> are we supposed to root for Price? I mean, obviously no one wants Kelton, but, like, does Price actually become the mayor? I feel like that's, like, a little anticlimactic if, like, Price wins and it's just like, you know, yay. Like, I, I just, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what's supposed to happen there. Unless they were holding out to see who actually won the actual election to kind of... You mean, the, like, the actual Chicago though, mayor race? Yeah, because we had our election at, actually, election day is, like, this week, but... Gotcha. So I wonder if, so they can, like, because I know they've made about the actual mayor, like, script-wise, like, I know, like, when Burgess got shot, like, the... Emmanuel sent her flowers or something. I'm to see how it turns out. Oh, right, right, right. Then yeah, they're yeah. Gonna have to find a. They're gonna have to find a female person because uh, both the candidates are females. Really interesting. Here. I didn't think I knew that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like obviously that's kind of where they're going. Like I would assume the election would be towards like the finale, but nobody really, I mean, who knows? I don't know where they're, that's the only show I feel like I can't get, well, no, P, or Fire, I have no idea where Fire's really going either. But like PD's like the one I can't really get a read on like where they're maybe headed. I don't know, I'd say some bombshell about Kelton will come out right before the election. Yeah, or even Price, because I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's too easy for them to like have Price just like win. And I know originally when Nikki was like supposedly supposed to be Price's daughter, I mean, but like I think her, the daughter was maybe supposed to play like a little bit more of a role in his election. So I can't tell if like she's supposed to come back and like I think the daughter is supposed to be recurring. Right. I know, like one of the makeup artists, like has posted a lot of pictures of her so I'm assuming she's at least in a few episodes gotcha yeah so that'll be interesting too to see like how she plays a role and like how she's gonna shake things up because I mean like so we only have five left which isn't a ton of time to like really introduce like a lot of new storylines but I'll be curious to see how this ends up for sure but yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, like I said, the, I mean, the episode, even though the episode was focused a lot on, I mean, technically, like, started with, like, praise stuff, like, there wasn't, like, a ton of, like, carryover to the next episode, I guess, besides the Burgess and Blair stuff, which was, like, barely there, um, but there's not, like, a lot of, like, unlike, I'd say, Med or Fire, there's not always a lot of, like, carryover to PD stuff like there's not a, always a lot to take to the next episode to be like well I'll see yeah. let's see how this up plays out but like so I, I mean I guess Price is injured and somebody's gonna have to do something with his campaigning and I mean Burgess and Blair but like that's all we can really take going into the next episode from this one um but did you have anything else you wanted to talk about or um, thought we should bring up what? I know a lot of people were kind of confused by like the comment that Burgess made to Blair, kind of about oh, like the um, black man, like why is a black yeah. man working so hard? Like I think I know some people took it as she was being racist, which I don't. I think it was 
how is he working for that white guy, not necessarily how is he working for a white guy. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, and I think, too, it's just kind of like, I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate, but I think, obviously, just that a lot of times in society, like, I mean, it's, you know, black people just don't have a very great relationship with white cops. So, like, the fact that someone, especially a civilian, like a black male civilian, is willing to help a white cop stay in power, not just stay in power, but, like, move up in power in terms of local government to the Chicago mayor's office. Like I can, I mean, like, obviously I don't think she was being racist, but I can see why that maybe like off the bat, like puzzled her, like the more she thought about it and the more she got to know Blair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think that's her being racist at all. I think it's just her making an yeah, interesting observation on society. Like, I don't think that's her being racist yeah. though. Yeah, I didn't either. I just saw, like, a few comments about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, if you're watching it and, like, in like you don't really go back and watch episodes, like, off the bat, like, yeah, I guess I could kind of see how, like, it'd be, like, a weird comment and, like, you may be like, oh, is that racist? Like, I'd actually have to think about it. But once you actually sit and think about it, it's not. Um, and that's not for, I mean, like, the only person they've ever even, like, come close to, like, and they end up obviously not making him racist, but like the only character they've even ever come close to like thinking that maybe he's a racist is Ruzik, and that's just because of like the yeah. complicated dynamic between him and Atwater, um, which has honestly been one of the best things the show has ever done. But like that's the closest they've ever come to making someone racist. They're not. I don't think they would ever go there um, with their main cast, at least. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I guess that's it for this week's episode of PD. Like I said, we only have five episodes left, which is kind of crazy. I feel like the seasons on the one hand just started, but on the other hand, I'm like, God, I feel like this season has been dragging on forever and like can't be over soon enough. Um, and I think it's also too, just cause like, I know we're getting to season eight. We're not like waiting in or season seven for PD season eight yeah. for fire, but like, we're not waiting until May to like get the season like renewal news so I'm just like okay like let's get on like this season can be over we can move on to the next seasons in the fall like we're good um but yeah so Vicky why don't you tell everyone I know I mentioned before why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter okay um at Twitter it's at Vicky V-I-I-C-C-K-K-Y or you can search for just that Rosetta and it should come up Awesome. And Vicky, thank you so much again for coming on. Like I said, Gina and I have been wanting to have you on for forever and we'll have to do it again when Gina is actually here. We can actually have like a conversation on with all three of us. So definitely. Yeah. But yeah, guys, so that's like, that. this is the end of episode 99. As always, you can find us on social media at meet us at Molly's across the board, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions about this week's episode or anything else, email us meetsatmollies at gmail.com or just dm us um and you can find me on twitter at brianak13 um and i we will see you guys on friday for episode 100 i don't know we have nothing special planned unfortunately we don't know what we're gonna do anything special but maybe we'll come up with something between now and then but we will see you guys on friday bye everybody